Welcome to the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. I'm Lee Gerstman, and I was banned from this podcast, and I'm not too happy about it. So, fuck these guys. Go to hell. So, here they are. Dr. Fuck and Wadzilla. Enjoy. I know I will, even if they did ban me. Fucking assholes. In my dreams, you're blowing me. Kisses. Hi, it's me, Dr. Fucking. With me is... Oh, yeah, the Ayatollah Alcohola, Ian Wadley. Yes, and we just came back from Nashville. Yep. So uh, we're going to give you a little rundown of Nashville, and then we're going to go into this Badlands review for the first album. Yes, sir. So uh, it was great, Ian. I think it was better than last year. Yeah, it, it, it was amazing. I liked this venue uh, better than the one last year. Uh, but I, I still don't think we're going back there. But Well, in fact, I know we're not going back there. But uh, it was a good time. I liked the setup, and we had a good turnout. Uh, we, I believe we did even better than last year. Well, I guess we should start at the beginning when we first got there. Uh, we ended up going to see Angel. Yeah. Which was unbelievably awesome. Yes. Holy fuck. The way Frank sang. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. What a voice. And Punky, my God. His fucking, his guitar player, his guitar playing was as outrageous as his plastic surgery. Yeah, yeah. A little weird to look at, but, man, I could not believe how he shredded, man. I mean, he was really really fucking good i mean we lucked out we uh we got there a little bit late because my flight was delayed we missed the acoustic set by ron keel that's uh yeah i was pissed about that yeah uh yeah it was great great time um but the only downfall was uh i was given way too many beers and (laughs) I, i don't really drink beer anymore i haven't drank beer in years and it got me so fucking tired i was like i was passing out and a lot of people were asking you, hey, is Ralph okay? I was fine. Right. I was fine. It right. wasn't like I wasn't feeling bad. I just felt sleepy as fuck. You know, I couldn't wait to hit that fucking bed going back, you know? And, um, but I got to meet the great Brian Davis. Oh, yeah. Who almost got us kicked out. <laughs> oh, I, I missed that part. I don't even know about that. What happened there? He either accidentally yeah the place that we're at we gotta let you guys know it's like uh we're like on the second or third floor uh where the concert venue and there's an awesome deck where you could go out and smoke it was a big deck uh and brian (laughs) brian davis later the night i don't know if he knocked it off the railing or he kicked it with his foot like somebody set it down but he kicked the glass ashtray all the way off and it went down by where the bouncers were and everything and smash and they came running up there wanting to know who the fuck did that oh I, th- I, th- I thought it was weller's dick that did that i think it was brian davis i yeah, don't know no it was weller's well i could I was... be wrong but i'm pretty sure it was weller's dick and we got to meet mr weller's dick hell yeah and metal mike tyler metal mike tyler i met right when i got to the hotel before you landed I mean, right when I got there, it's the first person I see. I was like, holy shit, Metal Mike. So we finally met my buddy from Ohio, Ronnie, and uh, his wife, and Beaner, who I've known since 1983, were there. 
Uh, also got to mention Jason Reith was there, who I didn't know was going to the event. Uh, he's, he's on the page. And he was cracking me up the whole fucking week. I mean, he was really making me laugh. I was like, dude, we got to get you on the show. You're hilarious. But unfortunately, he lives way out in the fucking boondocks and doesn't even get internet. He's, he, I think he's got to go over to Metal Mike Tyler's uh, house just to listen to our show. <laughs> poor, yeah. poor guy. And we got to mention the VIP, Scott, Scott Stein. Stein. Fuck oh yeah, my Scott God. Scott Stein came through. But we all hung. We all really did hang. You know, when, when uh, we weren't doing anything, they'd be in our hotel room. We'd be hanging out with them. Every time we'd go eat was a, a group of us. Yeah. And it was just such a great commodity. It was such a great vibe. I'm not saying there was nothing bad about last year. Last year was great, but this one was multiplied by like a hundred. And you'll yeah. uh, and you'll see why because of some of the more stories coming up. Uh, starting the next day, uh, we got up early. Uh, Ian wasn't feeling too well because he had way too much to drink and way too little hours of sleep. Bushy, we missed him so much. We missed you yes. so much, Bushy. You know, and I told him in, in, in a thread online the other day, I go, dude, we talked about you all weekend, so wish you were there. We did, he's like, we did. He's like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm sure you did. I'm like, hey. No, we hey, did. Uh, sorry, I couldn't understand you with that pity cock in your mouth. Spit oh, it out, yeah. Poor yeah, boy. Yeah. Hey, he's had a rough year. Come on. Oh, no, I, I, I know, but I mean, come on. He really thinks we weren't talking about him and we didn't miss him? Of course we missed him. We missed we, him a lot. We missed we him missed a lot, We missed TikTok, man. We missed know? TikTok a lot. So, uh, so the next day... We get up really early, and uh, Ian had a stencil made of the Ankh. I know all of you know by now. We both went as Vinnie Vincent, mm-hmm. and uh, Ian drew his Vinnie Ankh uh, on my face. He wanted me to do it to him, but I was like, fuck that, dude. You know it's going to suck. So who is it? Metal Mike <laughs> did yours. Metal Mike, and, and, and God bless him. He, he, he did the best he could, you know, because I asked all the guys who were there, like, anybody good at this? And everybody's like, no. And I tried doing it to myself in the mirror, and it – couldn't work out. We we did it the best we could. I thought you looked pretty damn good. My mine was mine was a little sketchy, but that's all right. But you know the funny thing is, you know, and, and these guys, I I answered the door in the dress because nobody knew what we were gonna do. You know, because Ralph came up with with a great idea. Hey, we're we're gonna paint our face like Vinnie Vincent. And I'm like, oh fuck. I'm like, we got to take it a step further. I'm like, let's do it in fucking drag because you know what Vinny is morphing into. And Ralph's like, fuck you, I ain't wearing a dress. Yeah, I was like, fuck that. <laughs> but I did, and I had, I, I wore, like, I was, I had to try on, like, fucking seven dresses. You know, I, I told my old lady, hey, like, hey, you know any big girls? <laughs> you know, can borrow a dress? And she even bought a couple that we had to return, because, you know, nothing was fitting right. I guess it's because I'm shaped like a retarded potato. But, uh, yeah, I was like, fuck, you know, do I need a maternity dress? And then I decided to get just a fucking moo So I got a fucking, you know, look like Big Mama's house. Wore that shit. And then, of course, we're in makeup. And we were told the place was in the same little area, which which it was. I got, I got to say it was. But we got lost. And it was hot. And I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a sweaty guy. So I am, like, melting while we're walking around in circles in this parking lot. And people from other hotels are looking at us. Especially me, because I'm in a fucking dress. <laughs> but I, I, I really became like the melting man. Which is on and, video, by the way, on Almost Human 56. The video shows us walking at Metal Mike, you rule. What a great cameraman. He captured the moment of us first walking in, and Rock and Ron was the first person we saw. 
and he freaked out. And then, uh, uh, oh my God, from Kiss Room, um, Matt Porter. Matt Porter from Kiss Room. He died laughing. Went up to Ken Mills. All is that on video? You got to see the reaction of all these people when they first saw us. It was exactly what we wanted. There was people who loved it. There was people who hated it. But everybody knew. <laughs> everybody yeah. knew. But uh, yeah, we got reaction. I got some dirty looks, and some people laughed. You know, <laughs> you know. Funny thing is, that, uh, I'm going to the bathroom after I break the seal. You know, I'm standing there, hyped up my dress, pissing in the, <laughs> in the fucking urine. All the guys looking at me, laughing. He goes, "Man, he goes, you got the biggest fucking balls here." You know, I was like, "Right on, brother." He got it, but there was other people who just gave me like the nastiest looks. I didn't but notice I, not one nasty look the whole time, but I wasn't really looking at people's reaction. Right, Except but, but the you, people we know, you know. You what? What? It's you know, it's one thing you got. You got Vinnie Vincent makeup on in your Doctor Fuck coat. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm walking around in a fucking moo moo. So right. there's people who just like that think that's disrespectful to Vinny Vincent, and then there's people who just like that ain't right. <laughs> man, man ain't supposed to be wearing. I mean, remember we're in Nashville, Tennessee. Yeah, exactly. You, you know, you got to remember we are in the heartland <laughs> of America, but but most people got it, you know. And uh, yeah, you know, it's so funny. Like I went over and talked to Erie Vaughn. We didn't get to interview Erie Vaughn because uh, at the time he uh, he was supposed to have a friend. Uh, at his table with him so he could leave and do stuff while his friend was late. So he didn't get to do interviews till, till much later. Uh, but I'm talking, he's not even batting an eye. He didn't make one comment about me being addressed. We just sat there and talked dancing and shit and then had a really good conversation and, 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 and what a hell of a guy. But, uh, you know, it was funny how many people we did talk to an interview and nobody said a word they just talked to us like it's a regular thing but here we are in Vinnie Vincent makeup and I look like you know a cross between King Diamond at this point and, and, and a fucking and, and somebody from a fucking you know black metal band a, a melting marshmallow yeah and, and, and I'm in a moo moo yeah. but uh the, the, the one person that really cracked me up is uh our last interview was with Paul Taylor from yes. Ringer and, and and you know we were getting a picture, we're getting IDs from everybody. But Paul Taylor said, you know, no, get up, stand up. He goes, I gotta get the dress and the picture. <laughs> so, yeah, because the guy was taking a picture and he was a little too close. He's like, back up, you gotta get the dress. <laughs> and was it Paul Taylor that told me to text it to him? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So then after the picture was taken, Paul's like, text it to me. And he gave me his number and I texted it to him. And uh, and I'll be calling Paul like at three in the morning from now on. Yeah. Just kidding. But, uh, but uh, yeah, yeah, we're we're kind of jumping ahead, but uh, you know the interviews came later in the day, but you know we had a nice booth and set up, and you know we're really compared to these other podcasts. I mean, you see their shit. I I, I didn't know if they had a show or it was like fucking Toyotathon, because these people got like banners and all kind all this stuff. Well, we just had us. We, <laughs> we had, had us. We had, we had buttons. Yeah, we had buttons left over from last year. And, uh, you know, Black Heron showed up and had their whole family and friends that made the trek from Detroit. When you and, introduced me to Black Heron's dad, yeah, I thought he was part of the band. Yeah, very he looks, young. He looks so young. And then the wife, I'm like, they're yeah. like kids. I, I thought it was his sister. I was like, these are really young people, man. It's like, wow. I was like really shocked that these are the parents of Black Heron, you know? I also want to add somebody else showed up at the podcast. That's our listener. My buddy, Mr. Tim Bream. Oh, Tim Bream. Yeah, Tim Bream showed up. 
I ended up uh, wiping my face off before we left because I wanted to get some pictures with Angel and everybody. I just did not want to do it in Vinnie Vincent Mako. You know, it's like, when, when's the next time I'm ever going to take a picture with Frank and Punky from Angel? Right. You know what I mean? Right. Where I was, I was the opposite. I was like, how awesome is this? <laughs> this is going to live forever. I'm going to be in a dress with this makeup. I was like, fuck it. I, I bought this shit. I'm going to fucking rock it. Yeah, but, but, you know, I mean, I did last. I mean, I took the makeup off maybe an hour before. We oh, yeah. You, you did all the interviews with the, with the makeup on yeah. and stuff. And, and, and that's another funny thing is because we already had uh, interviews prearranged. You know, I, I talked to Chris Sinzak about it and set up, you know, I gave him a wish list of who we'd like to talk to. And he says, okay, well, you know, I'm going to put him on the list, but it all depends on schedules. And I understood that. But as the day goes on, I start drinking more. I forgot all about the fucking interviews. And and, and then uh, I think it was Rock and Ron came up to me. He goes, okay, Michael Becerra is going to come on. I was like, oh, shit, I forgot interviews. So had to find Ralph. And we had for all the, the, the three interviews that we did, we had no questions pre-written. We no. had nothing ready. Everything was going to be 100% off the cuff, uh, sincere, just us talking like we talked to everybody else on the show. And I love that. I think it worked much better that way than having a list of shit, you know? And all three of them were great. All three guests. Uh, oh, with unbelievable. It. Unbelievable. Uh, you know, and I mean, I did have one little thing planned because uh, I wrote a song called Obsession for my band Combat about the band Obsession. And I read it to Mike Becerra. Mike Becerra was our first interview. And, uh, you know, and and I read them. I wrote this this song where it's nothing but song titles of Obsession songs that I made it rhyme. I didn't add no words. It's all song titles from various songs from their four albums. And he absolutely loved it. Oh, yeah. The look on his face, man. He he really appreciated it. Yeah, we'll, 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 we'll do an episode about the expo, you know, and, uh, because, you know, we should air all three interviews. Oh, yeah. And, uh, man, he was very forthcoming with loudness and Ingve and Obsession and Anna Metal, you know, and uh, all the various other projects he did. He was just so fucking cool, you know, that at, at the end of the day, when I wiped my face off and I, you know, we did take a picture with him with the makeup, but I was like, I want to take a picture with him without the makeup. So I took the thing off. I couldn't find him anywhere. I go up to Chris. I said, Chris, where's Mike Vissero? I don't know. And then all of a sudden, Mike Vissero came up to me. Hey, he said, you looking for me? I go, yeah, dude. I mean, I asked him during the interview, you have anything to sell? And he said, yeah, he had some stuff in his car. So uh, he goes, what size shirt you wear? I said, large. So he goes out and he brings back a shirt. And I'm like, how much? He goes, dude, that's yours, man. He was just so cool about it. I mean, I was oh, yeah. I was actually haggling for him. Come on, dude, let me get, no, no, no. I guess because of my song, you know? Yeah. I said, I'm a good but he was just so nice throughout the whole interview, you know, and, and you know, you knew much more uh, of his history than I did. I mean, I had heard of the guy, but I didn't know. But, uh, you, you know, he you could tell he was just cool. You know, he just he answered whatever questions we threw at him uh, was nothing but fucking smiles. I mean, and you know, did uh, promos for us and all kinds of shit. I mean, and it really set the tone. It put me in a good mood. I mean, I was already in a good mood, but, you know, sometimes you never know when you're going to interview somebody. But it just went so fucking smooth and so awesome. I was like, hey, yeah, where's the next one? And we didn't have time to, like, relax before the next interview. Nope. It's like, <laughs> nope. Mike's gone, then fucking uh, the drummer of Tesla just sat down. 
Yeah. And yeah. then when he leaves, you know, uh, Paul Taylor comes. You know, it was like, but you know, the Tesla shit was great. I mean, that guy was so cool. Oh yeah. You know, yeah. He, he really good, nice. Hi- good history. It's not just Tesla he played for. He's got a good, uh, good, good amount of work he's done with a lot of artists, and you'll hear all about it. Oh yeah. And you know, we we reminisce memory lane. I told him when I saw him in the seven eighties uh, and. Ian too, and you know Ian's first show was Tesla, and uh, and he was just so cool about it. Yeah, you know? and he remembered specifically uh, both of our shows, right? Uh, you know, for different reasons. He knew the shows that we were talking about, and uh, and man, just again, such a nice guy, man. And it, it has to be weird for these guys because here's all the other podcasts that. You know, you have a more professional setup and all this shit. They got mixing boards and signs and fucking all kinds of swag. And, and it's just us at a table. And I'm surrounded by beer. And, and Dr. Fuck's got the Zoom. And they were incredible. I, I, I bet you they were probably the best interviews, man. Yeah, they pro- they, they seem to have the most fun. You know, they, they seem to have yeah. a lot of fun with it. Because yeah. we, we made them laugh well, more Ian than me. <laughs> and uh, you know, and they, they were just rolling with it, and they really dug us, you know. And uh, you know, and then Paul Taylor especially was like, "Oh man, I need to get these pictures, man, with these guys, you know, especially like this yeah. this fucking guy with a dress, you know." Yeah, and and Paul Taylor, hopefully, uh, there's a winger show coming to New Orleans in November that he doesn't know if he's playing at or not, but if he is. I'm gonna try to set something up to maybe I can interview him again, do a do a longer interview. You know, I have to buy one of those zooms like you got, and uh, interview him again because he was so cool and, and and so nice, man. And and, and I want to thank Chris Sinzak for setting up those interviews for us. And I, you know, and it was good that you were there because I am not a winger fan. As the day grew on, we had to leave because all these other podcasts they stick around. Uh, they do like a after party jam and stuff like that and hey that's all cool and all but we're the fucking metalheads so we want to see what they've done two years in a row is have a metal show that follows it but it's at a different venue so we had to leave uh i'd say we what we probably left around six or so i think so yeah yeah and you know go back to the hotel i had to take the fucking dress off (laughs) wash my face and i washed my face off and i got like half of it off and i was like I'm going to leave the rest because this looks even more disturbing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I had like the black around my eyes, but, but like white sideburns and very Captain Spaulding. Uh, so then we leave and we go to the after show because uh, not only because we want to see black hair on, but we are introducing them. Right. Uh, so we go, we go back to the basement, the same venue we saw Anvil at last year. And, uh, I uh, love that place, man. I mean, it's really a rock and roll shithole in the best sense of the, of the word. You know, it's it's a nice place. It's a lot of fun. It's small. It's intimate. And just it feels metal and rock and roll when you walk in there. So we got up. We introduced fucking Black Hair on. And then these kids got on stage and just, oh, Des- my God. They destroyed. They were so good. Oh, yeah. They were so You guys definitely got to get that EP. Oh, yeah. It's so good. Oh, man. And then uh, and, and what we forgot is Metal Mike Tyler uh, bought a Sammy Hagar record for us to destroy. And, I, and I'm, so, I'm so drunk. I, we were hanging with him what's kind of like the backstage area. And I left it there. And I was like, oh, shit, we got to bust the Sammy Hagar record. 
So, of course, it's the Sammy Hagar record. It was safe. Nobody was touching that bullshit. <laughs> I went out there and grabbed it. And before uh, Dr. Fuck got on stage with him to do uh, War Pigs, we did it there. And I was so drunk, I was having a hell of a time bust the fucking record. Yeah, but because I... you, you were trying to rip the album with the vinyl still in it. Yeah, I was fucking trashed. It was a good time. Well, you ended but yeah. up doing it, you know. Yeah, broke it, and then we tore it up, and it was all over the stage. And from what we hear, the other bands were laughing when they got up there because they're playing in the remnants of this ripped-up fucking Sammy Hagar record. And some people took some really cool pictures of just, like, you know, Sammy Hagar confetti on the on the floor. <laughs> and it was, to shreds. Oh, it was a great time. Dr. Fuck, your performance with, uh, uh, with the band was incredible, and they destroyed it. And there was bands like like the headliner Deadman. I saw them last year at the Friday pre-show, and and they were amazing. But after Black Heron, we didn't give a fuck. I mean, we we'd had a long day, long well, night. It, it was more like what happened to me at Angel happened to you at Black Heron right. because yeah, you I wanted was, to leave. You were like, yeah. oh, fucking burnt. So yeah. uh, next day we go over to Chris Sisnak's house again. Eric Cabrera. Oh yeah, I'm sorry, Eric Camaro. And uh, man, what a great guy, what a great place. And and uh, we just spent the whole day there and fucking around. Some of it is on uh, Facebook. I did it uh, a live yeah. feed on the podcast page. Yeah. And you can see the debauchery where uh, Mike Tyler is kind of drunk and he goes up to the camera and he <laughs> says some shit about Vince, uh, Vinny Vincent that the whole crowd went, whoa, dude. Yeah. I, I, I was like, I was actually like, fuck yeah, Mike. You know, and I was loving it because the great thing is I want to thank Aaron for having us over again at his again, place. Yeah, thank you but, so much, Aaron. But what we do, we are some ride-or-die motherfuckers. If you're with us that weekend, you're coming over to Aaron's, and Aaron's very cool about it, man. Whoever stuck around, unfortunately, you know, a lot of people left early on Sunday, so they couldn't make that uh, trip. But everybody who stuck around, we took over with us, and... Uh, we just had a great time. We got fucked up, and Baco was there from Cobras and Fires, and uh, my brothers from uh, the Canadian Geek Podcast were there. Good uh, guys. Good oh guys. man, yeah. Those, I those saw. Fuck- oh, by the way, I saw them at the airport when I was leaving. Oh, right on. Yeah, I bumped into them. Yeah. Right. I mean, super, super nice guys. They even had Ralph and I. Uh, they got to play. Who could? Who knew the most Canadian slang? Of course, I knew Eric- one. Yeah, Aaron Camaro won because he's from, like, South Canada. But uh, what a good time. He's drinking fucking whiskey and beer. And <laughs> Ralph was laughing because I always bring over a case over there. But that, yeah. case, that case went in no time, and Rock and Ron had to go and get more beer. And, oh, man, it was, it was a fucking trip. It was great, and it's so nice to get everybody together, you know, for, for us that are involved in it. That's, like, our first chance to breathe. You know, like, okay, we got through the expo as a success. Now we can sit back and relax and, you know, and just smile at what we accomplished. And uh, it was a great precursor to the event of Sunday night. Yeah, uh, where some, uh, probably the craziest thing happened to me. at the Oh, at the oh hell yeah. Hell yeah. But we get, we get all fucked up over Camaros and it's time to get in the car. That's why when I stress, we were nonstop. We were nonstop. Uh, we go to Zany's, great comedy club there in Nashville, and uh, it's to see Courtney Crumb Dold, who's on the Pop Podcast. I love with, her. 
Oh, such a sweetheart and a big supporter of ours has yes. been from the beginning. Uh, Courtney Cronin Dold, uh, inappropriate Earl Shackle. Inappropriate Earl is the name of his podcast. A very funny man. Uh, Craig Gast was the headliner. But as we're in line, because there was a line to get in this motherfucker, we're like, oh shit. Lo and behold, who do we see but Mark Slaughters are walking by. And then I kind of do a double take. I was like, that's fucking Jeff Labar from Cinderella. I'm like, holy shit. You know, like, I, we had met Mark last year and was a very nice guy. Uh, but I'm freaking out over Jeff Labar. You know, I'm a huge Cinderella fan. And, uh, oh, so we went and got our pictures taken and everything. It was super cool. And, uh, you know, so once we get in there. Well, well, the, the funny part is, is when we went to go take the picture. Uh, oh, yeah. He, Mark, he called you right away. Yeah, he goes, Mark, Dr. Mark, Fuck. Mark Slaughter's like, Dr. Fuck. And I'm like, oh, shit, you remember me? Because I met Mark Slaughter last year because Bushy was too shy to get a picture with him. So I said, come on, Bushy. You know, I know me. I'm fearless. So I, I figured he remembered me at that. But when we back, went back in line, I was thinking, I didn't tell him my name was Dr. Fuck. How does he know my name? You know, which I found odd. So we go in and Mark Slaughter's sitting at a table near us and he stops me and he goes, dude, I just want to let you know, I fucking love your videos. He knows me from the almost human page because he saw the, he saw the, the kiss documentary and various other things. And, uh, we just got to talking for a while and then I told him, look, I'm not very proud of my kiss documentary. You know, I think I did a better one with Black Sabbath. He goes, oh, you did a Black Sabbath one? Yeah. He goes, Dude, dude, get my number. Send me it. And he gave me his phone number. How cool is that? You know? Yeah. Oh, he and, talk, He had you for about 20 minutes. Yeah, man. yeah. He kept talking to me. And he was mostly talking to me instead of me to him. He was fascinated by my videos, which I found so fucking cool. I was like, damn, this is so awesome, you know? And then ended up giving me his number. I was like, wow, that's fucking great. You know? I, I, I just was like, I have a brand new appreciation for Mark Slaughter. <coughs> He's a super nice guy. Oh, and, very nice. And we went and sat down, and uh, the first act, Cronin comes out. She was fucking hysterical. She yes. was so good. Um, and uh, who's an inappropriate Earl? Earl was fucking, yeah, he was awesome. Oh yeah, Again, came out awesome. in a Vinnie Vincent invasion shirt. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Turns out he's a big Vinnie Vincent fan. Who bought a box set? And yeah. and and he they sent he Vinnie sent them the box set with nothing in it. Right. True, true story. And then Craig Gass. And it was a great night. They were all funny. And afterwards, we ended up hanging out with all of them, talking to all of them. So the, uh, very, the very last thing that happened that night was awesome. Oh, my God, was it? Well, uh, Jeff Labar hanging out with us. And, yep. uh, and, and you know, he was feeling good. And, oh, yeah. Uh, and, <laughs> oh, and, you yeah. know, he was, he was telling us about how he's a cook now and this and that. And then. Ian said, "Do you make the Fred Curry?" Yeah. Well, well no. I uh, well, <laughs> well. The, the first thing. Oh my God! I had him dying laughing because uh, I, I, I said, "Oh, you, you know, uh, shit! I wish I had something to get signed." I go, "I almost had Fred Curry sign my night songs." I go, "But I want somebody who played on the album." That's right. And, yeah. And he, he, and he about doubled over. He's like, "Oh no, you didn't!" Yeah. You he know? was like, "Oh." oh. Man. He's like, yeah. that's so mean. Yeah. I was like, I'm, I like, I'm kidding, dude. I, I love Fred. I love Cinderella. You know, that that's just me. But I had him dying laughing. But then, you know, as we're talking, <laughs> then he 
Then he tells me I'm pronouncing his name wrong because that's how everybody pronounces that way, but it's actually Fred Corey. And, and, and I was like, Curry, whatever. And he's talking about his restaurant. I was like, yeah, come for the Fred Curry, stay for the Jeff Lamar. And just everybody was laughing. Everybody was having a good, I mean, we're all, you know, Baco's there and, 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 and Decibel Geek. And we're all, we can't believe that we're just sitting there bullshitting with Jeff Labar. And we're all buzzed. We're all having a great time. And we hung out with him for about 20 minutes, man. Yeah. It was, it was really, I mean, if you would have told, you know, the fucking 13-year-old me when I first started listening to Cinderella that I'd be fucking drunk on a street corner with Jeff Labar, I'd be like, that makes sense. You know, but it was, it was awesome. And when I met him earlier in the club and I was talking to him, uh, Ken Mills knew my story about me putting the guitar through the ceiling trying to do a Jeff Lombard. He's like, oh, you got to oh, tell yeah. me that. I was there for that. Yeah. <laughs> and he was laughing. He's like, actually, I go around the back. I was like, fuck, now that you say it, you're right. And he goes, for that reason. I was like, pretty smart. <laughs> but, man, what a fucking night, you know? And then, unfortunately, you know, we had to go home. and Well, well uh, we left one very important part out. We almost saw Jeff Labar get in a car accident. Because <laughs> yeah. when he was driving away, he looked at us. He got like, rock out with cock out. He was about to go, and there was cars coming, and they almost hit him. <laughs> yeah, he had to hit the gas. <laughs> and then when he left, there were cars coming from the other angle, and he had to press the gas. He almost, almost got in two accidents, you know, in like, in like five seconds, you know. He's like, well, that was interesting. And, and yeah. pretty much, I, you know, there's much more I'm sure we forgot. And it's all, the whole vibe, and there's a lot of jokes we didn't we don't remember at the moment. <coughs> Right. But it was just an amazing trip, and I so look forward to ne next year. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I, we went home, we showered, and we went to uh, have breakfast, and then we, we all went on and stepped away. And I want to, most importantly, most importantly, I want to thank everybody that donated uh, in our honor. Because we, yes. we had the most donations second year in a row, and we wouldn't have been there, and the whole expo wouldn't happen without you guys doing this shit. We still have a lot more episodes to do, so don't oh, worry, yeah. guys. I know a yeah. lot of people are like, where's my fucking episode? Hey, dude, we, we've been over-saturated with this stuff, so yeah. uh, just be patient, and we will. Yeah, we, we will, will honor everybody who, who paid. You will yes. you will get what you paid for, so so hang tight. And, uh, and just remember, next year now, uh, again, I can't stress this enough, because uh, we're not going to have to raise as much. It's going to be first come, first serve for these next year. So if, if you like these, man, uh, save up your money now because when we announce it, once they're sold out, they're done. All right. So that's pretty much our recap for the Rock and Pod Expo 2. So speaking of donated episodes, we got one for you right now. Oh, yeah. With my man, Jake. Jakey Lee, Ray Gillen, Gray Chason, and Eric Singer before he was a, a scab cat. Before he was Cheater, Cheater Chris. Oh, my God. Kiss. Oh my yes, God! Exactly. So, uh, and and you know, Kith, Kith, and bike reflectors. <laughs> Join our page. Bike reflectors and Kith mean something now. Whoa, 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 whoa! And fish tackles. <laughs> so here we go. Let's do it. All right. Now let's get into the 1989. Yes, sir. Well, I almost said 90. 1989. <laughs> debut album by Badlands and the album is called Badlands and uh, yeah good one I like it I liked it what do you think Ian? oh yeah man I, I love this one and I was 
I was waiting for this to come out because when I discovered Ozzy, uh, it, you know, I discovered during the Jake era. So that was my guitar player. And I was so sad to see him out of Ozzy. But I was like, oh, fuck, whatever he's doing. You know, I want to be like, I remember when Zach first joined, I was kind of like, eh, who's it? I want Jake. Who's it? You know, it took me a while to warm up to Zach. Uh, you know, because I was all about Jakey Lee. So when I found out he had this coming up, I was very excited. And then uh, it was released on my birthday, on my 15th birthday. So, I was, yeah, I was all excited about that shit, too. Lo yeah. Yeah. What's that mean? Uh, that, when, when, when a Cuban girl turns 15, she has one of those special parties called Lo Quinces. Quinces means... Uh, 15 in Spanish, and uh, they, oh, dress, they dress up in a big-ass gown and shit. I went to one of those. Yeah. I went to one of them. My, my buddy, uh, uh, I mean, maybe it's just a Latino thing. I mean, they were Mexican, but it was like a big party, and I remember that. She was a teenager, and it was a big gown. It was like a huge deal. Yeah, Mexican, Cuban, same shit. That's what I say. We all have sweaty backs. <laughs> But uh, yeah, very excited about this one, man. And there, there was a there was a buzz around this band, uh, but I definitely think they should have been bigger than they were. And I, I have I have a few theories, man. But I, I you know I'm just I'm wondering if Sharon did anything to kind of sabotage this a little bit. I you doubt know, it. Or, or uh, I doubt it. This was very well promoted. Um, it was the highest pressing debut album in Atlantic history, uh, and they backed it a lot. They, they really did promote the fuck out of it. It's just that people didn't catch on. They were too they were too busy with the other fakey blue bands like uh, like fucking Great White. You know that was like hitting the charts, and this one was like far superior. But then again, that's just my musical taste. And um, but it had all the elements of being huge. And uh, it just didn't take off. And boy, it, it, I remember it being on uh, primetime MTV, especially the second single. Uh, it even hit Dial MTV. In, uh, really? In, oh, yeah. Winner's Call was on Dial MTV a few times. Kind of low in the charts, but it would make Dial MTV. Well, I, I remember see, seeing the first single a lot more than Winner's Call. Uh, but, you know, uh, a big thing that a lot of people don't know about Dial MTV a lot of it had to do with record companies right. paying lots of money for different phone lines right. and having people call constantly. So Atlantic Records got a lot of people, you know, but, you know, Great White was around at the time, so it stood no chance. And, um, but honestly, this album is fucking epic, you know, from beginning to end. I, you know, it's, this is not an album I had to go back to. It's an album I revisit quite a bit. And, uh, but, you know, I did listen to it again for this and I was like God this, this, this album is like perfect it's like it is like a perfect album and it's great for this it was for that time grunge didn't hit yet and there was a lot of these you know including Badlands bunch of you know rich kids that you know they don't know about no blues but they, they, they did the blues really good you know and uh, it just didn't catch on for the life of me I don't get it you know but and they toured hard. They opened for. Uh, I saw that. I saw that tour twice for a, a band to come to Florida two times is unheard of back in the day. On the same tour, they opened for Great White and Tesla, 
And then they nice. came back and headlined. Wow. And then I saw them on Voodoo Highway. I mean, they came to Florida a lot, you know. And they play a club, you know. But, <clears throat> but um, yeah, it just didn't take off. And I really do blame, uh, I think, I, my personal opinion, the music fan is uh, really is to blame. Because the people that do love this album fucking love this album. But there's not enough of those people to make this album right. huge. And it was shipped. Like, I don't know what, but I remember at the time, it was like a big deal. Atlantic Records shipped out more copies of this than any debut album in the history of Atlantic Records. And they've been around for a while. Oh, yeah. <coughs> and yeah, and it, did, it didn't go gold. No, it didn't do shit. It really didn't do shit. It's, it's a shame. And by the time, you know, I mean, it did so bad that Atlantic just didn't care anymore for Voodoo Highway. You know, they didn't promote it at all. They did like one little video for it and they did a, you know, a half-ass uh, fucking club tour and that was it. It was done. It was over, you know, because on yeah. Voodoo Highway, they didn't get promoted at all. Very little. Yeah, yeah. But but this one, I, I do remember, you know, a lot of shit in Hit Parader and ads for it. And I mean, it sold 400,000 copies, uh, you know, which, you know, damn near gold. You know, another 100,000, it would have been gold. Uh, you know, but Voodoo, Voodoo Highway did squat. You know, you're talking 91. I mean, that was the year of Nirvana and Chili Peppers and all that shit. So that one didn't stand a chance. But uh, this one, I don't know. I kind of think it was a mixture of things. I, I think it had to do, uh, you know, this shit didn't sound like fucking Dr. Feelgood. And they weren't dressed like pretty boys. They didn't look like poison or nothing like that. So, okay, right there off the bat, check off the girls because they ain't buying this well, shit. Tesla and Great White were doing great at the time and they didn't dress like girls. Eh, true, but I think they were even, they were even, well, I don't know about t- and Tesla. And come on, and come on. Uh, what's the guy's name from uh, from Tesla, the singer? Right. And, and, and the singer of uh, Great White, Jack Russell. Compare those two to that hunky, sexy Ray Gillen. Come on. Well, yeah, I they mean, had a better look than those bands. Great, great white was way more commercial and did it did more of the ballads. Tesla, I'll, I'll give you Tesla. That was kind of anomaly because they weren't pretty boys, uh, and they, they did pretty well at the time. But yeah, Badlands fit in more with that than they did like you know Poison or anything. Motley fucking crew and all that crap. That that was huge in '89. I mean, 89, it was all about, like, Dr. Feelgood and shit like that and, 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 and Poison. And even, you know, even if you look back at, at Tesla and Great White, they did good. You know, they did better than Badlands, but they did nowhere near, you know, like Molly Crew and Poison and all that but shit. I, but but my, my thing is, if you're going to be into the that blues like, the, like Great White was doing at the time, I mean, there's no reason for you not to love fucking uh, uh, this band and plus like Dreams in the Dark that's a great single oh yeah that should have done great Winner's Call I mean in my opinion I think that's even a better single you know that one has the, the acoustic dreamy uh, White Snake-ish you know fucking Led Zeppelin-ish type shit you know and it didn't do shit I mean that's the one that hit Dial MTV <clears throat> that one was a bigger hit uh, than, than Dreams in the Dark and uh, but uh, what can you do? The, it, I blame the people. I blame the music fans for 
for that album not doing great. Because, you know, everybody out there that's listening right now going, dude, this album fucking rules. Yes, but there's not enough of you's and e's and, e's and Ian's out there to, to, <laughs> to make it that big, you know. But yet, you know, everybody else was like, rock me, rock me. Rock me through the night. How did that song go? I don't know. There's so many rock me's out there. Row me through the night. <laughs> I, I like that shit though. Yeah, of course. But th- that that was definitely that leaned way more towards cock rock, I think, than Badlands did. You know, bad, when I hear Badlands, I think more uh, akin to like Bad Company uh, type shit. I mean, definitely had a little bit more of an '80s sound, guitar wise. You know, you know, with Jakey e. Lee, but. Uh, you know, the structure of the songs is much more like 70s hard rock, rhythm and blues type stuff, you know, like like Bad Company, like classic Bad Company. Well, I, that's, uh, that's how I viewed Great Great White and Tesla. They had more of that 70s feel than your Poisons and Motley Crue, you know? Right. But, you know, you take Great White, you know, they, they did like, you know, they got once bit, twice shy. You know, you got the girls in the videos and the, you know, a lot more of the ballads doing that whole home sweet home shit. Don't get me wrong, I, I like that great white shit, but I can see why that was that was more aimed at like girls and shit too. Where I think this is just aimed at like music lovers, <laughs> you know. And then that's and that's where I think it fell through the cracks. But yeah, it should have done way better, and, it, and it's well respected now. It's one of those ones everybody talks about. Badlands, oh yeah, it's great, but uh, yeah, where were you guys back when it came out? I know I bought it. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I was there, dude, and I, you know, I ran to that show early. Great White and Tesla to catch them, and yeah. then they how came. were they live? They were amazing, dude. They were yeah. they were more of a jam band. Not when they opened for Tesla and Great White. They were pretty straightforward, forty five minutes set. But you right. go see them live, and they'd go into like you know, uh, Rumble and Train, and in the middle, Rumble and Train, Jake would break off into like like a seven minute you know jam with the band, right. you know, while Ray Gillen was just hitting the tambourine or something. Uh, they were more jammy, and they and uh, and even more jammy on the Voodoo Highway tour, where they even did a cover of Speed King. From, nice. Uh, oh man, that was amazing. And, uh, and and Jake, that to me, Jake was at his best live with Badlands. With with Ozzy, it was very restrained. With with Badlands, he let loose, man. He really right. let loose. You know, you just had to do your little thing. I mean, during the Bark of the Moon tour, he technically didn't even have a guitar solo. You know, he just did a little jam yeah. during with the band during Suicide Solution. Which, you know, and then on Ultimate Sin, he did a guitar solo that was... You can see it on Ultimate Ozzy. It was not really like, you know, wow. It's like your right. regular, you know... I mean, it's not bad, but it's not a mind-blowing guitar solo. Like when, when Zach Wilde came on No Rest for the Wicked, the motherfucker was playing between his legs... You know, put his guitar straight up in the air and still be cranking. I mean, that was a guitar solo. And it was extremely impressive, you know. And <clears throat> technically, I think Zach's better. You know, I know it's not cool to say. It's counter-cultural or whatever. Because, you know, it's cool to like the, the underdog. You know, because nobody talks about Jake. They only talk about Randy and Zach. But I think I, I prefer both those guitar players and Ozzy than... than, than uh, well, I mean, I, I prefer... Uh, as a guitar player, but album-wise, yeah, I wouldn't say Zach did an album as good as Bark at the Moon, even though No Rest for the Wicked is very close. Uh, and I've read some great reviews about these guys live, and 
you know, there was one about this uh, infamous show they did in England. Because uh, at this point, Ray had left the band and then came back to do the European tour. And they were basically fighting on stage, like yelling at each other. But the, the, the guy reviewing it, I think it was for Kerrang! He's like, I'd never seen so much dysfunction, yet a band put on that incredible of a show. He's like, you know, for all the bullshit, because, you know, Jake had said some shit about Ray. Ray said some shit about Jake, and Ray's holding up an issue of Kerrang! where Jake's talking shit about it, saying it's all lies, and Jake's saying it's all true. But he said the show was fun. He goes, you would never know it when they'd shut up and play the songs, because it was such a tight band. And, uh, what, they, what tour was that? Oh, that must have been Voodoo that, Highway. Yeah, yeah, Voodoo Highway. Mm. Yeah, because he, he left uh, before they did the European tour, and they had, uh, I can't remember the chick's name, a uh, black chick was going to be the new singer. And then that got scrapped. Ray came back, did the tour, uh, you know, and, and, and then, it, then he left again. They got James West, but then called it a day. Oh, man, really? James West is awesome. And, you know, another thing that I didn't realize back in the day, but going back and doing some research, uh, a lot of these songs uh, were co-written, and the album is produced by Paul O'Neill, who was known for working uh, with Sabotage and Trans-Siberian Orchestra. Uh, Kind of a weird producer, if you think, you know, back at that time to go with, uh, you know... I could have seen these guys more like an Eddie Kramer or somebody like that, but uh, uh, to work with Paul O'Neill and, uh, you know, of course it doesn't sound like sabotage, but for a producer to have that much of a input on the songwriting, too, uh, is, is is very different, you know? And Paul O'Neill was a genius, man. I mean, if you listen to this album, it doesn't sound like Paul O'Neill did it, and that's a true mark of a genius. Right. But, but not only to produce it, but to have, uh, you know, that much input on the songwriting, too, I think is cool. Right. No, the guy was great, man. He really knew his shit. He really knew music theory, you know? Right. And uh, he knew the vibe of this band. His band didn't want to be a pretty boy band. It's what, oh, they wanted to be stripped down, like you said, bad company-ish. And I think they really do a, did accomplish it with Paul O'Neill, you know? Oh. And before I get hit on by the haters, I fucked up. It's John West, not James West. I said James West. But... That's why I said Spread Eagle at first. Because <laughs> yeah. I didn't know um, uh, James West or John West was in this band briefly, whatever. You know, I was like, oh, shit, yeah. the guy from Spread Eagle. Spread Eagle, another great singer. I don't know if you ever heard of Spread Eagle. That's definitely up your alley. You, you, know. you should look I'll, into that. I'll say, uh, but but I, it, it's the same dude or it's a different dude? No, it's a different dude. Okay. West, yeah. But, John, but no. Yeah. But John West is the guy that was with with right. Uli. Yes. You're right. Yeah. 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 But uh, no, I don't know Spread Eagle. I'll have to check that out. But yeah, you, you you of all people know how it is on the the interweb when you when you say a name wrong, people yeah, freak of out. <laughs> I had to redo my Kiss documentary because I got a city name wrong. <laughs> oh, you redid it? <laughs> no, it's just I had to just re- not redo it. I just had to take that oh. audio piece out and oh, pronounce okay. the name of the city in New Jersey. Right. You know, it's like, dude, I live in Miami Beach. I mean, and it's some fucking city in New Jersey nobody heard about, you know? Uh-oh. <laughs> Uh-oh, I shouldn't have said that. Now, people in New Jersey, what are you talking about? Everybody knows that town. Yeah, everybody in New Jersey. 
It's like <laughs> if I bring up Hialeah. You think some idiot in New Jersey is going to know Hialeah? They've never been here? Fuck you. Uh-huh. Thank you. And, and, and KC and the Sunshine Band recorded all their albums there. <laughs> Who recorded in that damn town, New Jersey? Oh, fuck you, New Jersey fuckers. <laughs> I said the name of the town was Wynwood, which actually Wynwood is uh, a town here in Miami. So from now on, I'm going to refer to New Jersey as Wynwood. <laughs> Wynwood, New Jersey. What exit? Uh, <laughs> Sopranos exit. Okay. At the bottom end. <laughs> Alrighty, well, Ralph, why don't you take the first track on this album, High Wire? High Wire. Uh, in my world, this right here is an iconic riff. Fuck the masses who missed the boat on this band. This is modern day Zeppelin shit going on here. And the Zeppelin I'm talking about is like the first Zeppelin album, you know, where Zeppelin was primitive and have not really explored other forms of music yet. You know, just meat and potatoes, rock and roll. This song has everything that rules about hard rock. The riff, the voice, that driving beat. This, to me, in my opinion, is the greatest Badlands song, hands down. And boy, there's many more awesome songs, but this is my favorite Badlands song. And yes, I'm saying that to be trendy, whatever, because, you know, this is the popular Badlands tune. You know, but... uh. I mean, to the Badlands fans. You know, I know other people say, you know, like, I'm on train or some shit like that, you know, which is all great, but I love it. My favorite uh, Badlands song, and what a way to kick off that album with that fucking riff. That riff to me is like, dude, come on. It's fucking great. It's awesome. I love it. What do you think? Oh, fuck yeah. Uh, what an opener. You <laughs> know, what a way to, to introduce the band. You're absolutely right on that riff. But this is one, you know, that I think now it has the respect that it always deserved. When, you, you know, back when this came out, you know, it was all about Dreams in the Dark and, you know, possibly Winter's Call and shit. But, you know, Circles I ran with, everybody just knew Dreams in the Dark. That was it. But this one, holy shit. I think they fucked up by not making this a single. You got that I- right. If this would have been the first single, I bet you anything, this album would have done much better. Well, that that I'm not sure because I I think you know the, you know Dreams of the Dark you know is is a perfect single, especially oh, for the re-release time. Oh, re-release the album. Let's bet right now. <laughs> but uh, but I think I mean to me this should have been the second single or the third single. Uh, you know they should have kept this shit going because man, this is just. There's so much potential here to, to to draw people in because I'm sure there's a lot of people that don't know this song. Uh, that if they heard this, they'd be like, "What the fuck?" I mean, between that guitar and 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 the fucking vocals. Oh my god, the way Ray sings this song. Oh yeah, wow. you know, and 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 Ray, man, what a fucking singer! What a classic yep. uh, singer, an original voice too. You know you're uh, good when Glenn Hughes thinks you're awesome. Right. Oh, yeah. And, and you know, I, I, I think he was a terrible fit for Black Sabbath. But perfect. Uh... And, and, uh, to, to, to me, with Sabbath, you you got to have either that, like, you know, that Ozzy voice, you know, that that's like nobody else sounds like you. Or the Dio that just transcends everything, you know, and kind of Ian Gillen fun. 
those three, the first three vocalists are the only ones that work for me with Sabbath. The rest of them, it's like, I, I don't give a fuck if you're a good singer or not. It doesn't fit with Sabbath. And I, I definitely don't think his voice is a good fit for Black Sabbath. But I love him as a singer. You, you know? I love, I, I love people that go, oh, you know what? Uh, Eternal Idols is better with the Ray Gillen demos. Dude. Tony Martin went in the studio and mimicked Ray Gillen to a T. Oh yeah, and that and that's my favorite Tony Martin performance because he sounds like Ray Gillen. And and but don't get me wrong, the demos are great with Ray Gillen. They are great, right. but to me, it's the same goddamn thing what Tony Martin did. He mimicked Ray Gillen, but you know Ray Gillen died, and he's like you know, kind of like you know uh, like what I was saying earlier, like. Randy Rhodes, Zach Wilde gets all attention. Jakey Lee doesn't. Well, Ray Gillen didn't get that much attention, so I'm going to give him. The, I'm going to say he's better. I honestly do believe people out there that say the Ray Gillen demos are better than what the actual album are just saying that because, you know, they want to be, you know, oh, well, I'm going to give props to the guy that deserves more props, which I agree. Ray Gillen does deserve more props. Come, come, come on. Let's get fucking real. Like, if I was to tell people, hey, you know that laughing on the song Nightmare is Tony Martin, they'll be like, yeah, I like the way Ray Gillen laughed. I'll give you another example, uh, Ian. My, my buddy, I ain't going to mention his name, even though he doesn't listen to this podcast. There's this band called Jenna Torturers. You ever heard of them? I've heard of them. All right, yeah, they're like a shock rock band with this right. fine chick and stuff. Well, uh, we ended up getting, uh, we saw them open for Gwar. On the first War album, that's it, that's it. The chicks married to David Vincent. I yeah, I don't know if they still are. Yeah, they probably are. And David Vincent joined the band later. Yeah. Anyway, so and they were, dude. I mean, you know how shocking War was, dude. After they played, and this is the first time I ever saw War. You know, War yeah. was cool and shocking and all, but dude, these people were fucking each other. I mean, there was a chick on stage, literally, with a dildo fucking a girl. You know, in front nice. of people, it was. I like that. Yeah, it was pornographic as fuck. I was like. When's the cops breaking down this show, you know? <laughs> this shit's going to be shut down. Well, anyway, <clears throat> that show, we ended up getting the demo cassette, me and my friend. And uh, <clears throat> so later they released an album, the a full, first full-length album. And my friend said, quote, unquote, dude, the demos are better than the song on the album. I said, oh, really? So I went back and listened to the demo. Dude, it was the same fucking thing. They put the demos on the album. But, you know, it's, it's, it's a demo. And now the official release, I'm going to, you know, you know what I mean? People are like, oh, yeah. people, and, oh, yeah. and, and, I, and I put the same equation on the Ray Gillen demo. Ray, Ray Gillen killed it, killed it on those demos. But, dude, Tony Martin's not Tony Martin on Eternal Idol. He's Ray Gillen. Right, right. No, I told, and, and, and like I said, that's why, that's my favorite Tony Martin uh, vocal. Because it's my, he, favorite, it's my favorite Tony Martin album. Oh fuck yeah! But by, by far, musically, you know, musically, and I, not even because of the Ray Gillen thing. I think that right. album musically is better well, than the other. Well, you know, and, and, and Tony can sing. Don't get me wrong, but it's also it's like a, a, a pale Dio to me. But uh, I, I liked him better copying what Ray Gillen did. But I, I, I still don't think those vocals fit right within the context of Black Sabbath. But I, they're I, great I, I, vocals. I, they're great vocals. I loved it. I, I thought it would have been great if Ray did actually do the album where it didn't sound demo-ish. I would have loved to hear that. I, I think that would... I mean, I'll, I'll agree with you. I don't even know if you even think this, but... I don't think... If Ray Gillen would have sang on Eternal Idol, I don't think it would have sold any more copies. Oh, no. Sold just as much as it did, because by then, Black Sabbath was dead. 
only oh, yeah. original member. No matter who yeah. they get, you know, if oh, yeah. as long as it's an unknown, it's not going to do shit. So I don't think it would have done better, but I would have loved for Ray Gillen to actually sang, sing on the proper album. Oh, yeah. Because then I would have had that great production that that album has opposed to the demos, you know? Right. But but I, I got to say, I can't say Ray Gillen's performance is better than the Tony Martin one because Tony Martin nailed Ray Gillen perfectly, you know? Right. There you go. All right. But yeah, uh, high wire, dude. Fuck. <laughs> what can you say? Uh, an amazing track. And, uh, you know, something... You know, if we got some listeners here that, that aren't familiar with this album. Well, I mean, I mean, it's the first song on the album. <laughs> Check it out. That's all you need to know. But uh, great way to open it up and, and, and let you know what you're dealing with here. And great performances by Eric Singer and Greg Chasson, too. Yeah, yeah, they're all great. And and uh, you can see it on YouTube, them pro shot of them doing this live. Fucking just like the album. You guys were awesome. <laughs> and... and uh, you know, I, I know we always bag on on Eric Singer, you know, as as cheater Chris, and yeah, you know, you know that's cheesy and all, but man, the fucking drumming by this guy, man, he was an amazing and still is an amazing drummer. Yeah, well, he's an amazing drummer today, but he can't show it off no more. They're making him play like Peter Chris. Have you noticed that? Right. Oh yeah. You know, they're making they, he, he ain't doing what he did on a live three or the Revenge tour. They're making him play like Peter Chris. You know? Right now, and, and and I get it, but I mean, you know, I, I've seen him, uh, you know, many times. An incredible drummer. One of the uh, coolest drum solos I ever saw was him with Alice Cooper. Did you see that drum solo we did with his sticks on fire? Uh no, I don't think it so. It was so badass. You can see it also. The drum solo is on the the Brutal Planet DVD, whatever the name of that uh, uh, live DVD is. Brutal Planet Live. Yeah, that one. He does the drum solo with you know his drums on on fire the guy's phenomenal and and you were there when uh alice opened for heaven and hell he was their drummer that night oh was he okay yeah, yeah. and i and he did a drum solo that night too He's fucking great i believe he did the sticks on fire that night as well i could be wrong but um i, I can't remember and here i was thinking i never saw him with alice cooper i didn't oh, yeah. know he played he played oh, yeah. that night okay he, was, he played that night and i could be wrong but i'm almost positive he did a drum solo that night with the sticks on fire i could be wrong but i know i saw him do it I think it was Dragon Town, maybe. I don't know. I know I saw him headline with Alice doing that drum solo. But no, no, dude, I love Eric Singer. I think he's a great drummer, uh, and he's awesome. When I met him, he was kind of a dickish. He was dickish. Yeah? It could have been. Yeah, it was at the Kiss Convention, which was, I don't know. Yeah, uh, I met him there, too. He, yeah, you know, he, he wasn't as cool as even Paul was cool. And he's very, Paul's very standoffish. Well, he's a little guy. Got that little guy syndrome. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, I mean, whatever. I mean, he's a phenomenal drummer. I may goof on him a lot, too. But fuck, man, what's not to goof on? You dress like Cheater Chris, and you and, you, and that fucking infamous uh, uh, video of Paul Stanley making that guy take off his shirt. And and then fucking Eric Singer goes, if, if you go to a football game, you don't play the opposing team. You don't wear the opposing team's jersey. I was like, dude, I'm not even into football, and I know football games. People wear opposing shirts. I mean, you go to football games, right? Yeah, and and, and, and when I go, I wear my team. <laughs> and, and, and like, like, is there a New Orleans? What, what is it, New Orleans Chargers or some shit? Uh, Saints. All right, when you go see the New Orleans Saints, because I know you've been to one of their games when they play, uh, when oh, they yeah. play uh, the Raiders. The Ra- 
Oh yeah. Oh you shit! Show, I, you show that, up with a Raiders jersey. That, not only do I wear the jersey, I'm uh, the, the the picture on our on, on our page. That's me painted up going to a fucking game here in New Orleans. Yeah. Every time I see that picture, I think of that that Seinfeld episode. You're, uh, you don't like Seinfeld, right? Yeah. No. Well, there's a sign. There's a great Seinfeld episode. Uh, Elaine, the chick, was dating this guy, and they're going to a football game, and he did that. He painted his face. <laughs> And he was, she was like all embarrassed to go to the game with him. I was thinking that episode, you know. Oh, this, this guy looked at me when, when I did that. When you, when you see me painting up, that was a fucking preseason game. And there's a guy in front of me. He looks at me. He turns around like, you know, doesn't don't. He's like, you realize this is a preseason game? I'm like, fuck you! It's fucking football. I really commend you for doing that. That shit's awesome. You know what I was thinking, Ian? What's that? <laughs> Even though it's going to be fucked. It's a genius idea I got. But I don't know if it could be pulled off. Dude, I want to go to the Rock and Pot Expo with Vinny Vincent makeup on. <laughs> That's hot. That's so Would that hot. be the coolest shit ever? <laughs> and I'll have like a fake box set there. Give oh, me, my give God. Give me money now and I'll send you two box sets. Dude, we gotta find out. We gotta find somebody who can paint our yeah, faces up with that. Talk to Gina. Maybe she could do it. She's a chick. Oh, man, that would be hilarious. <laughs> I thought about it, dude. <laughs> I'd show up at the expo and Vinnie Vincent makeup. Oh, oh that's shit, we both awesome. should. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> that's a great idea. <laughs> Isn't it? <laughs> oh, I fucking love it. Anyway, so yeah, that's High Wire. Yeah. All right, well, I'll take the next one, uh, the first single, Dreams in the Dark. Holy shit, when I heard this, I was like, wow. That's Jakey Lee through and through, man. And and this was a song uh, that was late to the album. Uh, the record company kind of complained, like, you need something a little bit more commercial. And uh, they came up with this at the zero hour. And I, I believe, like, like they didn't play this live, right? Or, or very rarely. When I've you saw- never seen them play this live. I saw Jakey Lee play this live with the Dragon Cartel thing. But right. no, back then they never played it live. And I saw Wh- that tour twice. And, and and what a mistake, because to me, it's a perfect song. Yes, it's more kind of cock-rocky and, and of the era, but it, it, it was perfect at what it was supposed to be, a perfect, catchy single. And the guitar is Jakey Lee through and fucking through. I mean, I can't say enough good about it. When I, when I first saw this video, I was like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I was already going to buy it because it's Jakey Lee. But now, like, oh, fuck yeah. And I think it still stands up. It's a perfect fucking song. And I, I just feel bad because uh, Craig's saying, or Craig, is it Craig or Greg? Whatever. Uh, Greg, Greg, she's saying, uh, <laughs> one of two rock stars that we've had on the rock and metal combat, uh, Facebook page. One was Dave Ellison who commented on a post and, uh, the other was Greg saying, cause somebody tagged him who was friends with him, tagged him when I did a cock rock classic or crap. And <laughs> he just, what the fuck is this? Fuck this shit. And I, I think he, he took offense to it being called Cock Rock Classic or crap. Uh, but it's unfortunate. I mean, obviously you don't understand the page, or maybe he didn't like it being called Cock Rock. Maybe he didn't like it 
you know, the possibility that it could be crap. But he just left that comment, and I've never seen him again on the page. You know, even back in the day, if you look at early from that album, uh, Badland Interviews, right. he'd always make a little statement like, you know, we don't want to be like the bands today. We're more, you know, 70s rock, blah, blah, you know. So he's always had this uh, hard on for cock rock. Yeah. Kind of yeah. like me. And, uh, you know, but I, I don't look at it as a slag. You know, I, I can see, you know, if I called it hair metal, because to me it's not hair metal, but it, I mean, it definitely has that kind of catchy vibe, but it's just, it's a great fucking song and a, and a perfect single. And I see now this one I saw on MTV all the time. I, I don't, maybe once or twice I saw fucking uh, uh, Winner's Call or whatever, but I, I don't fucking, I didn't watch Dial MTV either, so. Uh, I was the Headbangers Ball guy, but uh, man, th- this should have took him into the stratosphere, and it was. I mean, if if you look at the singles uh, on the radio charts, this did uh, better than Winners. Winners Call didn't even chart. This one made it to 38 on the mainstream rock tracks, but uh, it, it just has fucking hit written all over it, and and. and the singing's great. The, you know, the video is of the time and look like everything else. I really don't know why this didn't do better. Again, uh, I don't know. I think Sharon did something. I don't know. So something ain't right because the plan should have aligned on this one. It's got hit written all over it. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I'm going to sound like you. Uh, this is a perfect single. You know, it, it, it has all the necessary hooks to make this album explode. You know, and how it didn't explode is beyond me. It, it was perfect for the time uh, when bands that were doing stuff uh, like this were huge. You know, and I just, it, it perplexes me. And yes, it was like, you know, your, you know, your, your, on, your video where you're on stage just performing it. That fucking riff before uh, the solo is very Bark of the Moonish. Oh yeah, that's Jake. Oh yeah, Bark of the Moon vibe, and uh, it's just great. You know, it's uh, it's an amazing song. I absolutely love Dancing in the Dark. You know, it's uh, Dreams in the Dark. Dreams (laughs) in the Dark, Um, and 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 that Thin Lizzy song. Uh, But um, no, that's Dancing in the Moonlight. Anyway, so um, yeah. Great song. I'll go to the next one. It's called Jade Song. Yes. Oh, man. Amazing instrumental. Chill, acoustic, um, uh, emotional, and hits me, you know, right where the heart strings, man. I think it's fucking beautiful. It's short, sweet, to the point, and, you know, and a kind of a throwback to Zeppelin, you know? A little acoustic, acoustic-y thing between songs. Not really done much back then. All right. Well, that's what I think of Jade Song. What do you think? Oh, my God. God, is this awesome. This is what D wishes it fucking was. And, you know, I, I, I know I was overly hard on Randy Rhodes in, in uh, our episode when we talked about uh, uh, Diary of a Madman and uh, Blizzard. Blizzard. Uh, but really, and I even went back and listened today. I was like, man, I, I know I was drunk and I was a little bit too mean. Like, ah, fuck your mother. Like, oh, I shouldn't have said that, but I was drunk. But I went back and I listened to D, and I was like, oh my god, this song buries fucking D. And to me, this is more 
of a song than D was too. I mean, th this actually has kind of a you know a, a, an overlapping theme and 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 you know it repeats and comes back and uh, it's beautiful, man. I mean, I mean, and and to me, it's a fully thought out instrumental piece. It's only a minute and twenty three seconds, but it's thought out and it's I don't know. It fucking delivers. It was written about his daughter, uh, Jade, and oh my god, it's just gorgeous and, and just another reason why he is my favorite Ozzy guitar player uh, is, is shit like this and uh, no I'm not a Randy hater I don't hate Randy I just think Randy benefited from dying you know, you know, it's, it's one oh, of those. Don't it, go there, Ian. Please. Nah, don't go I, there. I, I, I think it's because you like, don't know your history, dude. When you say shit like that, it's like you weren't around then. You don't know what you're talking about. Remember who won best new guitar player before he died? I mean, he did not benefit. He was. Everybody was talking about Randy Rhodes before he died. You just weren't there to experience. And yes, I respect your opinion on D. I disagree with it, but it doesn't take away the fact because it's musical opinion. I'll, I'll, I'll say D buries Jade song. Because wow. I love, I love D. I love wow. what he did in that fucking little instrumental. I love Jade's song as well, but dude, I've heard people say that too. Oh, Randy's just big because he died. Y'all don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Look at your history. I mean, it's right there. No, Guitar I, player's best new talent. I'm and not he, saying he's not great, but I mean, to, no, to me. No, but he did not benefit because he died. He was, he was the, the, he, dude, he died at the time when everybody knew Randy Rhodes now. Everybody was talking about Randy Rhodes, and he died right when everybody was talking about him. It was not like, oh shit, he died. Now I like him. No, that's more Steve Clark. No, 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 no. I'm not. I'm not saying people just like me, but I think, you know, I, I would have been interested to see what his what his history would have been had he lived because he was already talking about well, quitting Ozzy. So let, no, let's see what he answer. did. Nobody because, can answer that. But I right. can tell you this. What he did with Ozzy, the, the structure of Diary of a Madman, uh, the solo of Over the Mountain, which Jakey Lee, Zacky Wild, nobody can imitate. I've never heard somebody do Over the Mountain like Randy Rhodes does. The guy was a phenomenon. He was a freak of nature. He, was, he wasn't a rock star, dude. He was a musician. Right. No, know? he was great on that, but even you said, uh, when, when you go back and listen to what he did in Quiet Riot, that did nothing. It was more. terrible. Right. But what he, what he what he did with Ozzy, particularly Diary, because Diary, what he, in my opinion, what he did on Diary, buries everything on fucking uh, uh, Blizzard. You, you know, Diary. Diary. When I think of Randy, I think of Diary, because everything he did on Diary was phenomenal. I'm not saying he's a bad guitar player by any means. I'm not saying that he was great, but you know. Uh, no, you can say whatever you want about Randy, but but you're dead wrong if you're going to say he benefited from dying. That part you're dead wrong on. And I'm just talking fucking facts here. I'm not, you know, as far as like what you feel about him as a guitar player, Jake speaks to you more. I can't argue with that. Hey, that's a musical opinion. Uh, if you think Jade's song buries D, I'm fine with that because that's the way you feel, dude. Right. I feel differently, but it's not just because I think D's better than Jade's song. I'm not going to say you're fucking wrong. But if you're going to say benefit from dying, dude, anybody that lived during that time will fucking laugh at you. Right. But what I'm saying, though, is like at the time Jake was in fucking Ozzy, Jake was held in such high esteem. You know, and Jake, oh, Jakey Lee, Jakey Lee. And then when he left Ozzy, well, was asked to leave Ozzy. 
his star just diminished, and, and it would have been interesting to see what he would have done after he left Ozzy. Would it have been that amazing? Because, you know, I, I put George Lynch right there, and George Lynch, while respected, you know, just didn't make it to that level. But I think if George Lynch died, uh, you know, after fucking tooth and nail, people look at him even differently. I'm, I, and, and George Lynch was Randy's favorite guitar player. He liked him more than Eddie. Right, right. So I'm just saying. I don't. It, <laughs> I disagree with Randy, but that's his opinion. Right, but what I'm saying, though, is uh, by saying he benefited, I'm not trying to diminish what he did because what he did is amazing and does stand the test of time, but it elevated him to idol status. It's, 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 it's like James Dean. You know, James Dean did awesome. He made three great movies. But then he died, but that makes him immortal because he didn't have a chance to fuck up or do a bad album or... Well, or... Randy did do fuck-ups, and that's why they didn't... And, I, and I'm glad they don't release that Quiet Ride shit. It's fucking horrible. Yeah, you know? and there, there's nothing groundbreaking inventive there. Now, yes, what he what he did play on the other shit was innovative and groundbreaking. But it's night and day, and, you know, it's like, let's hear Jakey Lee's primitive shit. You know, it's not out there. Let's hear how he was before Ozzy. Oh, well, I mean, they've got it. I, I, I don't have a copy, but they got like, you know, the shit he did when he was in Mickey Rat. Yeah, and that's not uh, very talked about, is it? No, no, it's not. Just the same way that, that Quiet Riot shit, you know. Like, exactly. uh, I'm just saying, but, you know, let, let's go back to the songs. I just honestly think, I, I mean, you you might like D better. I think Jade's song. I love Jade's song, though. I do love it. Okay, right on. Well, then that leads into an amazing song called Winner's Call. What do you think about that? Oh, the perfect follow-up single. And, yeah, like I said, I remember this one on, on uh, Dial MTV. It was, you know, a strong requested song for a few weeks there, then it vanished. You know, it's like, how, Ian, how can this killer song just vanish? It's such a classic. It's a nice, mellow intro with these amazing angelic vocals. To an amazing mid-tempo rocking tune, amazing guitar work at the end. It's, it's almost psychedelic hard rock vibe. All right. Just a perfect but song, it, especially for the time. It was too good for the time, though. I mean, you got to think if this is on dial-up MTV, this shit is battling like Paul Abdul straight up and Toy and, Soldiers by, by Martika and, and it, Skinny Bop. Uh, yeah, and Unskinny Bop. You know that is fucking. You know it, it's bad fucking, medicine. Yeah, it's fucking toy metal. This is real. This is like 70s rock right here. That's why it fucking failed. This should be a classic rock radio staple today. They should play uh, this right after fucking Black Dog. Oh, I, I totally agree with you there. It's a great one. I, I love this song. And uh, you could definitely hear some, some Zeppelin worship on this. Uh, but it, But in a positive way. Uh, you know, everybody likes to make fun of fucking, you know, Kingdom Come for ripping off Zeppelin, which I still, I, I, I thought that was a perfect example of uh, the media dictating people's opinions. Because this shit really sounds like Zeppelin to me, where fucking Kingdom Come sounds damn near nothing. I mean, there's a couple of vocal things. It's, where... it, Kingdom Come to me sounds like they're trying to be Zeppelin. You know what I mean? These guys right. are just trying to be themselves, and it just ends up sounding like something Zeppelin would do. I don't think they consciously right. wrote Winter Song thinking about Stairway to Heaven. Now, I, I finally heard that Greta Van Fleet band. Ooh. 
that everybody is saying, oh my God, you know, there's people saying they're the second coming, second people saying, you know, people saying it's blasphemy and all this shit. And I heard, I was like, now this is ripping off Led Zeppelin note for note. You know, it's and, not my bag, daddy. Yeah. And, and it wasn't, hey, I, I give them credit for being good musicians that can play that. That singer's got a great voice, but I mean, to me, it's pretty much mimicking Zeppelin to a T. I mean, you're just trying too, too fucking hard to sound like Led Zeppelin, where this is, it, it borrows elements uh, for sure that sound like it, but to me, it sounds more natural. It sounds more like an influence than a, than a ripoff where Greta Van Fleet definitely sounds like a fucking ripoff. Uh, you know, but hey, uh, you know, there's something to be said if you could rip off a band that great. You know, it's easy to sound like a shitty band. Uh, but this, this, yeah, should definitely be on radio. Natural, beautiful, just great, great hard rock. Love this fucking track. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> All right, I'll go into the next track. The Streets Cry Freedom. Nope. What is it? Dancing on the Edge. Oh, fuck. Oh, fucking great. Great track, that one is. You hear, like, bottles falling in the beginning or something? I don't know. There's some weird thing going on in the studio there. Oh, man, this song fucking rules. Good hard rocking, up-tempo. You know, dan, dan. I like the little intro that Jakey's doing there. Dan, dan. It doesn't really sound like it's going to turn into that song. But, uh, oh man, the way fucking Ray sings this one. Dancing on the edge tonight. Oh man, yeah. I absolutely love this one. What do you think? Oh, fuck yeah. A, a stomping hard rocker. Uh, and what a kick in the ass, you know, coming after Winner's Call. Uh, amazing track the only thing that that bothers me about this is the ending uh it just seems like they cut it off too fucking early and then it goes into the next song it's like a really weird transition ah the Uh, only thing that bothers me about this song it doesn't have Randy Rhodes on it (laughs) uh, oh that's Trent you're you're, you're trendy because he's dead Uh, but no, it has a really weird ending. It doesn't sound finished. It sounds like they just cut the tape. No, nah, man. And then, know, then the I, next I, song starts. I tend to disagree. I think it ended really good because Ray Gillen's dead. Uh, yeah. See, you see there. Yeah. He was still alive. I'd agree. <laughs> I, I I'm picturing you with a man bun and a long beard right now, drinking an IPA. Yeah. <laughs> or maybe a cappuccino. Blue ribbon. <laughs> where, 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 where the fuck did that win a blue ribbon? What kind of beer contest no, was that? No, what's funny, I just got done drinking. Uh, a buddy of mine, he's all of a sudden now he's into this craft beer shit. Uh, and, pretty good, I like craft beer. And, and he gave me, like, you know, especially here in New Orleans, hipsters really adopted Paps Blue Ribbon because it's like, it's a working class beer, you know, and, and they're like trendy motherfuckers. We're like, yeah, we're old school too. We drink Pabst Blue Ribbon. Uh, but then they went out, they made like a, a version of Pabst Blue Ribbon for hipsters. That's an IPA. Oh, and, he, and he brought me in like a four pack. So it's like, a, you know, it's a souped up Pabst Blue Ribbon 
you know, with a higher alcohol content and shit. But it tastes like fucking ass to me. I'd rather have regular Pabst Blue Ribbon than, than this fucking shit. You know, they, they fucking candied it up, added a little bit more alcohol, but I like beer that tastes like fucking beer. These fucking kids that need their candy fucking beer. You know, this Winter Harvest Cotton Candy Snickered Skittles flavored winter selection. Yum, yum. Yeah, yeah like, go fuck yourself. Drink... Drink a fucking Schlitz and get back to me. Oh, well, we're done with this fucking episode, bro. Pornhub, I'll be fucking myself. Don't worry. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Are you going to drink a Schlitz while you do it? Yeah, what are those marshmallow beers you were talking about? Oh, no, no, no. Get yeah, some beer go. beer. Yeah, How about some Schaefer? Get some Schaefer. <laughs> do you remember Schaefer beer? Yes, I sure do. That shit <laughs> smelled like, it was like fucking pissing water. Like, like <laughs> Black Blue Ribbon. Shit's terrible. <laughs> Oh, I love it. I hate Pat Blue That shit gives me a headache. I love it. I drink Budweiser. Ooh. And I'm not, a, and I'm not Ooh. a fan of that either. Ooh, I can't drink Budweiser. And it would say, I could handle like a Bud Light, uh, but like regular Budweiser. Just like regular. Yeah, actually, Bud Light is better than Budweiser. Oh, yeah. I drink Bud. I drink one Budweiser. I feel like I ate a loaf of bread. Right. It's just like, oh. No, I'm not a fan. But, but honestly, I'll take it over Pat Blue Ribbon. Or but a Schaefer beer. You're 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 not a beer drinker. Yeah, though. I'm not really. I, I I'm I used to be like a Jack man. I used to be a hard liquor guy. Right, right. But if you did drink beer back in the day, what was your what was your flavor? I liked. You know what I liked a lot. Uh, remember Mickey's Wide Mouth? Oh, I love Mickey's Big yeah, Mouth. Yeah, that was oh, my, my beer. That was my oh. beer of choice back in the day. Oh, Mickey's will fuck you up too, I, man. I, I drank that shit a lot, bro. That shit's malt liquor, dude. I love <laughs> that it. That would fuck oh. me up. Oh, man. And it was wide mouth. You get more out of yeah. it. You know? Oh, yeah. You get that little six pack. Yeah, it looks yeah, like grenades. It's the, it's, the, it's the beer equivalent <laughs> of sucking a big veiny cock. I love big, me some. Thick ass fucking wide mouth beer. Love me some Mickey. Man, I remember when I first moved to Florida, where I lived at in Central Florida, uh, at the time in the mid 90s, you couldn't, they didn't sell Mickey's. And uh, I remember a trip I made back home. I even took a picture in the liquor store. Like, ah, I got me some Mickey's Big Mouse. Oh, that's some good shit. <laughs> oh, yeah. That was my beer of choice back in the day. Awesome. Jeez. Awesome. I, I'm going to find some. Next time you come and visit, man, I'm going to buy a bunch of Mickey's. And we're yeah, gonna get yeah, I'm down. Uh, <laughs> hey, Bill Wang. Get some, we'll get some Mickey's over there in, in San Fran. Because yeah. Bill, Bill Wang's like, man, I want you to drink beer with me. And I'm like, eh. But now you now, now I remember Mickey's. I go, okay, I'll drink with you. All right, all right, <laughs> let's get some Mickey's. <laughs> awesome. Well, what do you think of the next song, Streets Cry Freedom? The Streets Cry Freedom is like a total album track. And it's a pure badass hard rock track. All the elements you want are here. Amazing epic beginning to that kick-ass song that, you know, you know, it's kind of like... A, you know, it, start, it goes into a little mellow section, and then the the verse picks it up, and you know, uh, you know, stuff safe changes. You know that work. Uh, it's not rocket science, but it's rocking. It's a good album track. That's what I think. Well, this one was definitely a grower for me. And, you know, at first I kind of dismissed it, but uh, on repeated listens, what really gets me is when it gets to the solo. And the, and the outro, which is kind of late in the song. I mean, it's a long, like six minutes and ten seconds. Yeah, it's jammy. But it do, it doesn't really get into like a, a what you would really call a solo till about you know a little over the four minute mark. 
But then when it gets into that, that's what sealed the deal. I was like, okay, it went from being like filler to like, ooh, damn, that's fucking sweet. To the day that I die. And and it really made me re-listen to. It. I, I jammed this. I'm sorry, the album just came on. I had to turn it off. <laughs> uh, I, I jammed this three times this morning before we did the review. And uh, I jammed my thumb up my ass. Ooh. But then we had to do the show. I was like, fuck, I'll fuck myself later. Right on. But no, no, now I dig this. It definitely is an album track. There's no single potential here. Uh, it was played live. Was it? Okay. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Well, when you saw him on the, on the opening tour, uh, what was it all album tracks, or did they do any covers on the first tour? No. Uh, and um, Seasons was not played, but Seasons was played on Voodoo Highway. Nice. I have a great memory for Setless. Really good. But no, there were no, they did do covers on the first tour, but not the show I saw when they headlined. As I recall, it was all songs from this album. But as I said, they, you know, they jammed a lot. So so never any Ozzy shit though, huh? No, no Ozzy. But uh, I believe, I'm almost positive, they played last time with Eric Singer. Um. Uh, on oh. on the first album, they played that oh, song wow. "Food Highway." They oh, played wow. it on that show, the headline show. This will be on our next album, and they played last time. Wow, yeah. wow, yeah. And for those who don't know, that uh, Eric Singer only did this album; he wasn't around uh, for the next two. Right. So, all right. Well, what do you think about the next one, "Hard Driver"? Hard Driver, the opening track when I saw him live uh, both times. Really? Wow. Yeah, they opened the show with this. Uh, this is, uh, you know, I would say this song and Hard High Wire are probably the only like real like like metal songs on here. You know, not so much hard rock. Uh, you know, to be honest, before this album came out, I expected this album to be full of songs like this and Hard Wire. Uh, but to my surprise, there are only two metal songs on here, and it's a badass song, you know, no different than the ones before it. Uh, but the, you know, all these songs are fucking awesome, you know, spoiler, I love it, I love Hard Driver. May not be, you know, I put probably Street Cry Freedom and Hard Driver probably lower on the list of all these songs, but they're still a great song. What do you think? Oh, I think it's a great track, uh, but I, I consider it more hard rock and blues than metal. Well, I mean, I, I guess for this album, though, it is, it is pretty heavy. Uh, definitely an album track, but, man, that's awesome. You got to hear this live, because this is one I would think, like, maybe wouldn't make the cut, but for them to open up with this? Oh, yeah. That's fucking... Because, you know, to me, when I listen to this album, like, okay, they come out, they're going to open up with Hardwire, or Highwire. They, you know? they, they close the show with that. Okay. Well, I can see that, too, then, I guess. But uh, I, I never would have guessed this song. But I, I love it, man. Great, great fucking album track. Uh, you know, and good to see one. You know, now we're on, you know, the second side of the album. Uh, even though, you know, I bought this on CD, so it's more like, you know. Yeah, so did thing. I. And and Ray Gillen signed that CD twice. Nice. <laughs> yeah, he signed the inside and outside. Uh, but uh, I never bought this on vinyl, and I'd like to change that. Because I doubt this will ever be re-release as you know there's controversy on this album because Ray Gillen you know infected yeah. some girls with AIDS 
So they got sued. Uh, Atlantic Records got sued, so they, they didn't well, re-release it. And yeah. Rock Hard Rock Candy released it, and it was uh, it was recalled. Yeah, uh, I thought that was really weird about the whole lawsuit thing. And uh, I think it's a bunch of bullshit myself. Uh, I think it's unfortunate that... Uh, you know that 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 Ray, you know, had sex with these girls and didn't tell me he had AIDS and shit like that. Uh, yeah, that's wrong, dude. I mean, there's no sugarcoating that shit. But what I don't get is like, how can that affect the rest of the band? Because the rest of the band played on this shit, deserves to earn a living and make what they made. And I hate to sound cold-hearted, but these other chicks who fucked Ray Gillen, they fucked him without a rubber. They let him fucking raw dogger. So, you kind of that you know you roll the fucking dice. That shouldn't affect all the other musicians who oh, played man. on this. Uh, let me tell you, man. Age was all over the news back then. If ever you had to fucking put a balloon on it, was back then. Right. You know? You're right. And you're, that, you're, you're, you're completely correct, man. I mean, these girls knew what they were getting. It wasn't like Age was a new thing. That shit was all over the news at that time. Right. And uh, you know, so to to me, that's on them. Yeah. It, it's it's. You know, it's dirty pool, him not saying this, you know, because reportedly he, he knew he had it and, and didn't say anything. Yeah, so, I mean, that makes him an asshole for doing that. But why should that affect, you know, the other people being able to make, you know, money off of this? And the also... Law, the law is the law. Yeah, and also, you know, he had a daughter who I'm sure, you know, would get residuals from what he sold. But, so... You know, this money's going to a groupie who was probably going to get fucking AIDS anyway. You know, hate to sound callous, but I, eh, then again, I don't give a fuck. Uh, you know, tough shit. You know, you fuck without a rubber, you roll the dice. I never, ever use rubbers. I do, all the time. Yeah, I know you do, but you know what? Hey, I've rolled the dice, I've lucked out so far, I've never caught anything. Paid for a lot of abortions, but, you know, I've never caught anything. Uh, you know, uh, that's a that's a live baby you killed. <laughs> uh, oh God, please. Yeah. What hey, man, your son should think about it, or else you know I'm getting my ass licked in 18 years. <laughs> Comedy ain't pretty. Hey, uh, we're gonna raise her right. She won't yeah. dance the Motley Crew. Yeah, I'll be I'll be around to raise her left. <laughs> You'll be dead by the time she's 18. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Come on. But, uh, yeah, hey, come on, Eileen. Uh, is that her name? No. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that's stupid. That, that's stupid. You know, you, you shouldn't get money for that shit. I'm sorry. Yeah, these records should be well, re-released. Well, you know what? Funny enough, Ian, Eric Singer uh, is all, I would figure he's all for banning the album because... Uh, when I did meet him at the kids convention, he did, uh, you know, hey, he had an awesome voice, but he was a piece of shit, pretty much telling us. I think he may have known one of the girls he infected. And I'll even go even further. Uh, when I met Ray Gillen, uh, I won't mention her name, but you know her. And I'll tell you off the air. If you, a girl that we both know was hitting on him relentlessly. And... At one, you know, and he even hugged her at one part, and he told like one of the roadie guys, he's like, "Dude, this girl likes the way I say mama," because he she would say, "Oh yeah," you say mama, 
And then um, after the show, this was before the show, and then after the show, we met him again. Uh, she's like, man, he's like, oh my god, that voice. You know, he just loved her voice. He was really into her and shit. And she wanted to bang him really bad, and he ended up not banging her. And in retrospect, she, her life, she's still alive today. Yeah, but, you know, even if she banged him, you know, if she banged him without a rubber, that's not her. I agree. I agree. You know? And, you know, that's why, dude, I'm disease-free, you know? You th- Man, I'd have worse than AIDS by now if I fucking was fucking without a condom all these years. Come on. Would I still be alive oh, yeah. at 53 with the slut I am? That's more than proof I wear a condom. Oh, dude, I, I think I have the fucking cure. <laughs> you know, or or I'm definitely immune because I've banged some bitches like, holy fuck, like the next day, like, oh my God, what did I do? How, why, 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 why did I do yeah, that without too. a rubber? It's been many years since I've, I've had one of those questions in my head, but yeah, I've had those nights. Oh, yeah. And as you know, the throw-up episode. Right. Uh, when I ended up with some girl, I don't even remember if I did or not. And if I did that night, I'm sure it would have been without a condom because I don't know what the fuck I was doing that night. Right. And I'm not one of those people that, you know, I take out my wallet and you see a little condom crease on it. Right. No, no. I bang, I, I, I bang girls at home, you know, and if I, if it's a situation, I pick up a girl, thank God for gas stations. They all have condoms. Ugh. I love condoms, dude. Especially uh, what used to be the worst condom lifestyle are like the best today. The ultra thin lifestyle. They used to be terrible. I used to have so many lifestyle condoms back in the day because here on the beach, they'd pass it out for free. But they were terrible, you know? All right. But, you know, anyway. So, yeah, that's uh, Street Cry Street or, yeah, Street Cry Street. No. No, Hard Driver. Hard Driver. <laughs> All right, Rumbling Train. I'll take this one. All righty. This here is my second favorite track on the album. You know, here are some white boys that never knew poverty doing the blues and being fucking convincing at it. It's some heavy-ass blues. Ray is so convincing, as is the band. You know, when he does that gruff, like... Oh, yeah. That gruff vocally, you know. Uh, you know, for me, bands like Great White and Cinderella were nowhere this convincing doing the blues like this song does, you know. Uh, people, you know, that like bands like Tesla and Great White, who never bought a bad album, should be ashamed of themselves. You're all about as dumb as a crate of pop tarts. <laughs> Thank you. Y'all doing yourself such a disservice. Now get into this fucking album, you idiots. Fucking amazing track. Rumbling Train rules. Second favorite Badland song overall. Thank you. Oh yeah. Oh, perfect track. Perfect fucking track, man. And great hard rock and blues. Uh, again, this is something that you know reminds me much more like '70s hard rock. I can see like a you know, a, a Fog Hat or Bad Company doing something like this, and they do it perfect. And and you nailed it. It sounds sincere. It sounds right. It doesn't sound forced. It's just like, hey, this is what these guys were into. And epic fucking track. Another one. I think this should have been released as a single. I think this this actually had more potential than fucking uh, Winner's Call. Well, you know what? I tend to agree with you because this would have been kind of a 
uh, what, what do they call what's what's the name for it? a crossover thing? Yeah, you know, for for your Jeff Healy fans, right? You know but it, it could have been something like uh, Uncle Tom's Cabin. I mean, this is you know a way better song than Uncle Tom's Cabin. But you know what I mean? That was like kind of a crossover uh, song for Warrant that a lot of people who didn't, you know, yourself included, people who didn't like yep. Warrant, like like that song. So I think if this came out. It could have been one of those that appealed to a lot of people who, like, maybe they would have looked at the band and said, nah, or heard Dreams in the Dark, and like, nah, but they heard this, and like, oh, I can get behind that, you know, but that would have took balls on the record company, <laughs> you know, and and I, I guess, you know, when you're Atlantic and it's the late 80s, you're playing it safe, okay, you know, obligatory, the commercial track, then the ballad. You know, which Winner's Call is more of a ballad uh, than what I'd call this. This is straight up fucking blues, but it's an amazing song, and and I think it would have uh, that would have garnered a lot more respect for this band if you heard this, because like I said, it comes out sincere, not forced, not even even fucking uh, Uncle Tom's Cabin. As much as I love that song, it is a little forced. It's a little like them trying so hard. To be, you know, other than Uptown Boys, uh, <laughs> but you know, this one just Downtown Guys. What? what no, what's the name? What of was it? Where, oh, Down Boys. Down Boys go. <laughs> Uptown, Uptown Boys. <laughs> You've been living in your Uptown Boys. <laughs> oh God. Uh, fucking Marcus Welby. Uh, but yeah, the Down Boy goes. What the fuck? <laughs> I love that I, every song. time I hear that song, I think of a little hole <laughs> in, a, in, a, in a bathroom where yeah. the down boys go. They get and, down on their knees. And then I'm like, does Justin Childers take a check? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Justin Childers mentions. About time, man. <laughs> By the way, fuck Andy Jacobs. Thank you. <laughs> He's a racist, you know. I'd fuck his wife, but I have a dick. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I like, I like Andrew Jacobs. Any chick that leads that fucking twat for for pussy, cool me. <laughs> and we, and we will we will have Mrs. Jacobs on the show. Well, who knows when you'll hear this episode, but at some point, Mrs. Jacobs will be on the show. Yeah, man, I, I, I'm working on it, bro. I'm I'm looking for some pussy. For <laughs> some big stinky pussy. <laughs> if it smells like fish, eat if you wish. Rancid tuna box. That's what I'm looking for. <laughs> Funny, that's what a tramp stamp says. Mm-hmm. That's why I'm in. <laughs> all right. Well, we all agree. Rumble and Train is fucking amazing. That's right. Me, you, and everybody else that loves this album loves this track. Science. That's right. Well, we'll go to the next song, which is Devil Stomp. Oh, man. And uh, Devil Stomp, I got to say, I would consider filler but I like the track. I don't know if I'd go as far as to call it killer filler, uh, but it's not a bad song. I just don't think it's as good as all the other songs that have come previously. What do you think, Rob? Definitely my third favorite track. Oh, wow. my God, I love this one. I think this is the epic of the album. Okay. Uh, I love, uh, you know, the little mellow and then, the, you know, the little hint of heaviness coming later. And then goes back to the mellow. And then when he does that, you know, when he holds that note and Jake goes back to that riff and the band kicks in. Back in the day, this was my favorite track. 
and over time, it's like, nah, man, Rumble and Train I like more, High Wire I like more, but that's it. It's still, you know, it's still up there. I, Devil Stomp to me, it's perfection, and I think the most original track on the whole album, because it has these changes that I've never heard any band do before. It's uh, very much, uh, uh, to me, this is like a definite, the definitive Badlands song. Did they play this live? Oh, yeah, every time. Oh, wow. Every single time. And uh, this is a, this is one of the songs they do a long jam to. But, uh, oh, man, fucking great. Devil Stomp is up there, man. One of my favorite tracks. And you're going to get owned by our listeners because they're all going to say, yeah, fuck you, Ian. It's not filler. And I'm going to say, hey, leave the fucking Ian alone, you fuck. <laughs> yeah, you know, I got your back, buddy. Even though uh, you're kind of retarded, I got your back. Maybe I need to listen to this song again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll take uh, what I I guess you consider the last song because back when this came out, everybody bought this either on uh, cassette. I don't, I don't own the album. Does the album have Ball and Chain? I don't think it does, right? Uh, the, the the LP didn't. But when this came out in 89, you either bought the CD or you okay. bought the cassette. So, oh, the cassette uh, brought it too. Yeah, yeah. It was only on, on, on the vinyl version, which nobody was buying vinyl in 1989. Not uh, me. Uh, but we'll go into Seasons, which would be the last proper song on this one. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, this one harkens back to the Zeppelin worship. But I think it works great. Uh, I, I really love this song, and I think it's a great closer for the album. And, it, you know, you got to think back in in 89, the, the formats they're releasing this on, uh, they, they shouldn't have even called it a bonus track. They should have thrown Ball and Chain in a different, uh, you know, yeah, placement I in the agree. album. I agree. And, and, and this end the album, because I, I think it does end the album in a good tone a good mood it's a great song and 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 a great way to sum up what this band is all about but i could definitely hear some like you know uh you know 10 years gone some in my time of dying kind of shit going on in this song uh season's a great track and how i feel really should have ended this album what do you think ralph yeah, I'll be honest with you. Uh, when it was new, this was the only song I didn't like off the album. It's a grower. Uh, wow. I absolutely love it now. Yeah, you know, I saw the tour too, and it, when they didn't play season, I was like, yeah, I understand why. You know, but then they played it on Voodoo Highway, and I'll never forget the way Ray Gillen introduced the song. He said he wrote the song about his dad, who passed away. Wow. It's a song about his father. Oh, God, did he fuck his dad? His dad died of AIDS? <laughs> oh, I'm a maybe. bad, I'm a bad man. It's Ray Gillen, not Ray Jacobs. Oh, 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 my bad. <laughs> All right, so uh, yeah, no, it's beautiful now, and I actually got it when I saw them play it live. You know, when they, I was like, oh, they're playing Seasons, but you know, I, you know, I'm all the way up front, dude. I was smack against the stage for this show, and when they played this song, I was like, fuck, this song is really good live. You know, it's not as good on the studio version. But then I, I went back and listened to the album. I was like, no, no, this shit's good on the studio as well. Uh, uh, let, let me ask you something real quick. When you saw them on this tour, uh, did Eric Singer play both shows? Uh, I'm not sure, but I, I am sure of his, uh, Andrew Jacobs is a racist. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah, no, yes, yeah, no. my brown sugar daddy. 
Yes, that's true. No, no, yeah, he played all, all three shows. Okay. Uh, like I told you, that show uh, was when they did the last time with Eric Singer. Oh, that's right, that's right. Yeah. So, um, <clears throat> yeah, I love Seasons. I think it's a great song. Uh, didn't appreciate it back then. It took me seeing them play this live on the Voodoo Highway Tour to actually get it. And uh, one of the best vocal performances on the album as well. I love, I think Ray shines on this song. Oh. More than anybody. I mean, the whole band's great on it, but I think I mean this really showcased Ray's amazing vocals. So good, and, and so we, amazing. We, we we've touched on it, and we've talked about it through uh, throughout the episode, but I, I think it needs to be beaten to people's heads how good of a singer he was, and an, an original voice at that time. In my opinion, man, there was a lot of copycats, but. He had something unique and a, and a lot to offer. And, you know, I wish we were still hearing, you know, Ray Gillen vocals because, you know, this guy, he was something special. Yeah, I wish he was to treat girls like he treated my friend. Yeah. You know? <laughs> not, not bang all these girls and then put a balloon on it. And he, we would have still lost them, but, you know. And, and supposedly he got it through uh, drugs, not, uh, you know, sex. And and it was widely reported back then that Jake was on the H. You know, at this oh. time. So let's go into the last track, which is technically, I guess, considered a bonus track, and that is Ball and Chain. And uh, I think it's the wrong way to end the album, but I've warmed up to it, uh, you know, especially, you know, listening to it three times a day. Uh, I love the solo on it. I think the solo is great. The rest of the song, kind of like, I can see why it was left off. But uh, I, I think I'd appreciate it more if it was more, you know. A At the street, cries freedom. Yeah, something like that. I've been like, oh, okay, good album track. Uh, but not one to end the album on. Season and, and played live. Oh, yeah, really? Yeah, they played this live as well. I love this song. This song, awesome. It's kind of like a slowed down version of... High wire a little bit, kind of got that same vibe, that riff. Um, and just to show you how fucking awesome this album is, this fucking awesome song, Ball and Chain, is my least favorite song on the whole album. Yeah, Whoopee. Awesome album. Yes, indeed. Well, it was released on my birthday, May 11th, 1989, produced by Paul O'Neill and Badlands. You were born in 1989? Uh, no, but my birthday was May 11th in 1989. Oh, okay. Okay, bye. Uh, yeah, sold a little under gold. Uh, everybody talks about it now like it's this great Lost Classic, and it is. But, uh, more of you need to go back and buy it if you can find a copy. I don't know, is, is that an issue now? I mean, can you even buy it on CD and shit? Or? I, I don't know. I, I do want it on vinyl badly. Yeah, and the I Listeners, just, hook me up. I just saw because I've been going through like my iTunes and doing uh, like sometimes the, the version of the uh, uh, the album art isn't that great. So I'll go and I'll find a better like like a better, you know, unpixelated version and make that, you know, the album cover. And I saw one for Voodoo Highway and they had a picture of that on vinyl on Atlantic. And I was like, oh, fuck, I'd like to get my hands on that shit. You know? It's expensive, huh? Oh, I bet. Yeah, I, I didn't even go on Discogs because right now I'm, I'm, I'm broke till I get paid. Too, so man. I'm like, 
I'm like, I ain't even looking right now because I don't even want to know. But, uh, you know, shit like this, man, go on Discogs. I would, I, I advise everybody to check out Discogs because you can find such great deals on there. Nah, and, good thing we're going to air this episode in like a couple months because I'm going on Discogs now. I'm going to beat everybody to it. Oh, shit. <laughs> but, yeah, check it out. Uh, man, great album, man. Everybody check it out. However you got to get it, man. Hey, if you got to call me to hook you up with Mr. X because you don't have this album, I'll fucking send it to you because you need to have it. You need yeah, to don't call it. me. Mr. Yeah. X and me are on the outs at the moment. Oh, shit. Well, fuck, man. He has a whore girlfriend. Oh, <laughs> but uh definitely check this one out and uh i'm i'm glad we reviewed this so thank you michael lynch that's awesome yeah thank you michael lynch thank you i love i love the the the, the album people are requesting this year it's really good yeah. i've been pissed at all this year haha <laughs> nate and, and, we, and we've still got a lot coming up we're, we're i don't even know if we're at the halfway point now we're gonna be doing uh, fan episodes for a long time, but man, we appreciate y'all donating, and uh, especially when you pick great shit like this. Fuck yeah! All right, well now it's time to go into pick of the week, and Ralph, you got a pick of the week? Yeah, I sure do. Oh, nice. Um, That's her. Yeah, I want to pick uh, an album that was not ever finished, but they did release it, and it features the great Ray Gillen and Mike Starr from uh, Alice in Chains. Yes, sir. I'm not sure if Bobby Rondinelli sang, uh, played. I know he played on the album. I believe and so. I can't remember the guy's name now. The guitar Al Romano or something like that. Uh, was it Al Petrelli? No, no. It was oh. Al Romano or something like that. Great guitar player. Uh, and all songs that Ray Gillen sang were written by Joey Belladonna. And these songs are really good. Makes me think, why the fuck does an anthrax let this guy write songs? You know, because they're fucking amazing tunes. It's it's three songs, I believe, and the rest of it is instrumental stuff. But I don't know. It may be hard to get now. I'm not sure, but I did end up buying it when it was brand new. Talk about and Sun Red Sun? Sun Red Sun. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, my pick of the week uh, is an album. Jesus Christ. I don't, know. I don't know if we reviewed it or not. Did we ever do Ultimate Sin? Uh... I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. I hope we did. <laughs> but I love me some Ultimate Sin. Uh, my first Ozzy record that I bought. And uh, even though I can see why there's some some hate for it, uh, there's also, in my opinion, room for a lot of love for it. I think it has some of the best riffs that Jake ever did. Uh, just phenomenal. Uh it, it was a huge album when it came out, and then it took a lot of shit. But I also know a lot of people who love it. Uh, and, oh, yeah. Many people love that album. And, and Jake's playing is phenomenal. Even though it's like, I remember, uh, I've talked about this on the show before, I used to love watching Ultimate Ozzy on MTV. MTV would play that shit all the time. And I went back and, and tried to watch it like about a year ago, and I was like, holy fucking keyboards I can't do this it was so like drowned out by keyboards I was like oh that's terrible here's a here's a little fun fact about the MTV Ultimate Ozzy uh, they performed the Ultimate Sin live but on the home video it doesn't have the Ultimate Sin live it has the video 
So the only time you can see Ultimate Sin live from that show was the MTV version, which I have on VHS somewhere. Right. But then again, you know, I went back and I, I watched like Ozzy from the fucking Us Festival, and I thought the same thing. Like, oh, fucking keyboards, get this shit out of here. You're... I don't remember it being that bad when I saw I saw that tour with Queensryche, yeah. and it was good. I, it wasn't a bad show. I mean, I was thoroughly entertained. Jakey yeah. actually did do a guitar solo. Ozzy was great that night. Um, Ozzy was hit and miss even in the eighties. When I saw that, um, the first time I ever saw Jakey Lee was the Speak of the Devil tour. Right. It wasn't Brad Gillis. And Ozzy was shitty that night. But then I saw him bark on the moon, and that was the best time I ever saw Ozzy. Solo-wise, best. Oh, well, that and, believe it or not, vocal-wise, the last time. Scream, he sounded amazing. That was probably, that and, oh man, Blizzard of Oz. Oh my God, that he sounded good that night. He sounded like Ozzy Sabotage. Uh, era, you know, and uh, but uh, I don't remember Ultimate Sin keyboards being that high, in the you know, and, and it, it might have been, and it, and it could have been for you know how they mixed it for the home video, but right. I mean, it was like, I mean, I, I had to turn it off, I was like, oh my god, this is unlistenable, and it, it, it all had to do with the fucking keyboards. But if, if you go back and listen to the album and just listen to it, you know, guitar wise for Jakey Lee. Uh, I think it's phenomenal. So that is my pick of the week, Ozzy, Ultimate Sin. Shitty song on there, never. Jake is awesome on that song. Oh, love that song. I hate that song, but I love Jakey's playing on that song. Oh. I love I love Secret Loser. I love Shot in the Dark, that single. Yeah. And uh, Killer Giants is okay. That's it. That's where I stop, bro. The rest is not my bag, daddy. Nukia, Nukia. Oh, my God. <laughs> Thank God for the bomb. <laughs> Even that, the studio version, that keyboard going on during that verse, that chorus. As soon as we get done with this, I'm going to listen to fucking uh, Voodoo Highway, and then I'm going to listen to Ultimate Sin. <laughs> yeah. All right, well, now it's time to go Fan of the Week, and Fan of the Week is the reason we reviewed this album, and that's Michael Lynch. And uh, Michael's been listening for about a year now. And wrote both Ralph and myself, you know, an amazing letter, uh, you know, kind of personal, but we'll just say that our show helped him get through a hard time and helped him rediscover his love for heavy metal. And uh, he said it just reaffirmed it. You know, he went back like, oh, man, you know, I love this music. I love this show. It makes me laugh. It cheers me up. And uh when we get shit like that, and, and we, we've got a lot of those, and it means so much when we hear shit like that. I mean, that's, to me, that means more than any numbers or anything like that. You know, when people say, like, hey, we discovered music, you know, through you, or like, hey, you helped me through a rough time listening to you guys, you know, just helps me get by. That means everything. And Michael lives in Australia, so, you know, there's no... Realistically, there's no way he's going to make it to the expo. But he still wanted to donate and, uh, you know, let us know that what we do matters to him and he appreciates us. And and that means everything to me. So thank you so much. And he contributes a lot to the Facebook page. Uh, he's one of the... And that's... I always say that about Fan of the Week. I mean, if you paid for it, you're, you're already getting Fan of the Week. 
this guy would have got fan of the week anyway because he actually contributes, participates, adds his own little flavor to the page, and uh, that's what it's all about, man. So thank you so much, Michael Lynch. You are our fan of the week. Hell yeah, fan of the week that matters. But you know, I mean, technically, if you want to talk about our biggest fan, he never donates. His name is Andrew Jacobs, but he's always listening. Yeah, yeah, but uh, disability only goes so far, especially now that Trump's in office. He, he cut yeah, back on that yeah. shit. But yeah. I want to say something about Michael. Um, you know, Michael said in that letter, you know, I mean, we turned him on to music. Well, Michael, you're about to do the same because anybody out there that's not as dumb as a crate of Pop-Tarts and listens to Badlands and gets into it, it's going to be because of Michael Lynch. Yeah. So you are doing what we did for you, buddy. And uh, and I'm really glad that uh, the, the, the worst is in your past now. You went through some hard times, but as I understand, um, you know, it's all better now. And right. I'm very happy to hear that. And yes, you know, I mean, uh, it always it always tugs in my heartstrings when we get letters like that. And I get, I get them on YouTube as well. You know, I recently got one from a guy in a wheelchair uh, telling me that, you know, my review, the, the Cheap Trick channel I got now, right. uh, saying, wow, man, you know, I've been going through some hard times. He's recently been paralyzed, and I, you know, I won't give away the guy's name, but anyway, just for him to say that, and I look forward to every month you doing a review, it, like, really charges me to, uh, you know, I think of, I, I'll think, I think of Michael Lynch when we were doing this. I think of this dude in the wheelchair while I'm doing a review, and I'm like, you know, I want it to be really good for this guy, you know, so I hope you enjoyed this episode. I hope it was worth the money, dude, and uh, and I'm extremely happy to know that the worst is behind it. Yes. And, 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 and Andrew Jacobs is a racist piece of shit. Yeah, and I, I think of Andrew Jacobs every time I sleep with my old lady. I was like, why can't he figure this out? It's, it's kind of easy, you know? Just yeah. do it. Every time I smell tuna, I think of his old lady. <laughs> and every time she smells tuna, she gets wet. Yeah. Piece of shit. <laughs> Andrew, you piece of shit. <laughs> Somebody posted Hey Jude the other day. I was like, yeah, it's all right, but it's nothing like Val's <laughs> <Yeah>. version. <laughs> yeah, my version much better. Much Check better. it out on the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast Tumbleweed page. Yeah, yeah. Go, go there. We're... It might not talk about Kiss, but it's cooler than Kiss. And if anybody wants a new episode on there, pay me, bitch. But I congratulate you on your success, man. You are on a fucking roll, dude. Ooh, that shit is blowing up. Man, since uh, in the past week, a thousand subscribers in a week. Well, it's 937 in a week. That's how many subscribers got in one week. That's insane. No, it, it, it is awesome, dude. I'm, I'm very happy for you, man. You, and you do great videos. They're fucking hilarious. They're honest. And uh, I, I just implore all these fucking kiss nerds to check out good bands. You know? Yeah. Come on. Come no, on. And, you know, and, and also, what, a cool thing about my videos is uh, I do it in my little man cave here. And I get so many comments going, oh, man, that's an awesome Armored Saint, March of the Saint era poster. I'm like, you see... They're not all just kiss nerds here. They know their yeah. shit. You know how I discovered you through Black Sabbath? Because I'm a metal fan. Yeah. Wait, wait till I do my Black Sabbath uh, retrospective on the Eternal Idols channel. It well, should blow it up. You know I'm one of the five guys that'll watch that. Fuck yeah. The Eternal Idols. Yes. On YouTube. My original 
YouTube channel. If it wasn't for Eternal Idols, there would be no Rock and Metal Combat podcast. That is true. It'd be the Ralph and Terrence experience. Oof. And friends. (laughs) Oof. (laughs) All right. Uh, Speaking of shit, you shove up your ass. Let's talk about the plugs. Well, uh, (laughs) when you said shove up your ass, I just, I don't know. I got a vision of that racist Andrew Jacobs. All right, here are the plugs. <laughs> Earpillar, the podcasting and interview news site. To keep up with your favorite bands or artists and the podcasts or interviews where they appear, go to earpillar.com to find out what we're all about. Listen to The Rock Show with Gully and Joe. Go to all the W's, Gully, G-U-L-L-Y-A-N-D-J-O-A dot U-K, 8 p.m. U.K. time, 3 p.m. Eastern. Rock Show with Gully and Joe. Listen to it. Don't be a cunt. Hey, rock music fans. This is Terrence Reardon of the Terrence Reardon and Friends Audiovisual Podcast. Join yours truly as I look every week at a different classic rock or metal album that had a major impact on my life. And I'm usually joined by a friend or two or ten. And we talk about nothing but great classic rock and metal. And there's no country or Sammy Hagar or rap on the fucking show. That shit is frowned upon with yours truly. So if you want a great classic rock audiovisual podcast, tune on in to the Terrence Reardon and Friends audiovisual podcast. New episodes every Monday exclusively on YouTube. Are you ready for the hottest new podcast out there? Check out the Vieira Vault, featuring none other than Dr. Fuck Ralph Vieira. You will hear personal stories and personal songs from the vault. There ain't nothing else like it. The one, the only, the original Vieira Vault. On Podbean, Stitcher.com, and iTunes. Spreaker. God damn it. Tired of your long commute and boring workday? Well, join Brian Davis and his gang of movie buffs as they talk about a different movie subject every week on Damn Good Movie Memories. We discuss movie themes like our favorite movie villains, favorite soundtracks, and worst movie remakes, and much more. Check us out on iTunes and Podbean at damngoodmoviememories.podbean.com. From New York. Hey, 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 hey! What up, bangers? From North Carolina! Skitter Pal Meow Meow. This is Bushy. And the Mountain. Tune in every week for your listening pleasure only on the plug with Bushy and the Mountain Man. You can find us on Podbean and iTunes. Thank you very much. Hey everybody, I'm Aaron. And I'm Chris. And we're from the Decibel Geek Podcast. And if you love this... You'll love us. That's right. Brand new episode every single Monday. You can find us on iTunes and at decibelgeek.com. And the best thing is, it's rock and roll and it's always free. This is Ian Wadley, Wadzilla from Wadzilla's World. Do you want to hear the greatest, most eclectic show on the internet? Show up for the best in hard rock, heavy metal, classic rock, funk, soul, and anything else I've deemed necessary. 
Quadzilla World only on Cranium Radio, 10 a.m. Central Standard Time to 3 p.m. Central Standard Time. Be here or be a bitch. Hey there, it's Dr. Fuck giving you the Dr. Fuck Show ID. That's right. The Dr. Fuck Show, Aaron here every Thursday night at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Come in and join the chat room. It's always a great, crazy time. That's right. I've been doing this for years on that metal station, and you will love it. Nobody hates the Dr. Fuck Show. And what I mean by that is if you hate the Dr. Fuck Show, you're a nobody. All right, well, if you enjoyed this awesome fan-picked episode, come back next week when, once again, the fans speak up and tell you what they want to hear. What's it going to be? I ain't going to fucking tell you, but it's going to be an awesome, underappreciated, neglected album like this one. So check it out. That's right. Come back next week, or I hope the the ghost of Ray Gillen fucks you up the ass raw. Ooh. Thank you. That's next week on the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. Mama. <laughs>